Hello and welcome to Marvel Vision, a weekly Marvel Studios TV show podcast brought to you by Cinema Sangha. My name is Devin Faraci and I am one of the hosts of this program, which this week will not be about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Joining me as he always does. Hello, it's Derek Faraci and well, if I could, I surely would stand on the rock where Moses stood. How you doing, Derek? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm good. Can you hear me? I can. We were having some technical issues before we began this episode. Well, I was having technical issues. I'm pretty sure it's on my end. I was being kind. Well, the people deserve to know. Uh, This week, we're not doing a Marvel Studios show. We're doing a no Marvel Cinematic Universe this time. It's the DC Expanded Universe, or Extended. Is it Expanded or Extended? I think think Expanded. I don't know. Whoever you ask, there will be an argument on Twitter about it. Don't worry. The DCEU. We're going to begin our journey covering Peacemaker, the new television show on HBO Max from James Gunn, who has written and directed the first three episodes. He has not directed all the episodes, but I think he's written all the episodes, I think. He, I believe he wrote them all, and I think he directed like most of them. Five of them? Like, yeah. Like out of eight, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, most of them. He's all over it. He is all over it. I mean, obviously, it's going to be his its his thing, right? So we're going to be talking about that this week. But before we begin that, and before we get to news, there's a thing I just read right before we started this podcast that I wanted to talk about that is not about Marvel Studios or the DC uh, Extenuous Universe, but it's about Star Wars. And I wanted to talk about it quickly, even though we have a Star Wars podcast, because we're not going to do that podcast again for about a week. And I wanted to talk about this. I don't want to wait a whole week to talk about this. <laughs> all right. Pablo Hidalgo, one of the um, guys in the Lucasfilm Story Group, one of the one of the, the the big guys there who keeps the the Star Wars universe cohesive and coherent, right? Yeah. Revealed on Twitter that um, in the Force Awakens, J.J. Abrams wanted to blow up Coruscant. I saw that, and Lucasfilm said no, so he created Hosnian Prime and blew that up. Yes, yeah, and uh, what what a, what a crazy series of decisions. I mean, the thing about JJ Abrams is he came in and he Motherfucker rebooted, hates planets. He hates planets. He re, he rebooted Star Trek and he blew up Vulcan and Romulus, two of the most important planets in Star Trek. And it, when he was writing a and, and misspelled of, uh Kronos, right? Um Klingon planet, then they misspell it. I'm not sure. I don't think there's like really a spelling per se. Do you know what I mean? Like there it's, it's like how you write a lot of Arabic words into English. There's like a lot of options. I don't think okay. he necessarily, he made Kronos too close. To Earth. Yes. Yeah. Um, he also, when he was writing a Superman reboot at one point, back around the turn of the century, hit one of the conceits in his Superman reboot is that Krypton did not explode. So I know you started well, to see my a movie presupposes here. this. Maybe it didn't. Uh, do you start to see a pattern with this guy and planets <laughs> blowing up? Well, here's my question: In his Superman, was the idea that like Jor El is just a moron? Like, I don't remember exactly. But shot the sun to Earth, and then the planet did blow up. He's like, "Fuck! How do I explain I forget, this to Lara?" I forget what the whole deal was, but Lex Luthor is from Krypton in his in his movie. Oh my god! Oh. <laughs> That's <laughs> pretty bad. Oh. Uh, I believe that Drew McWeenie personally killed that motion picture by writing a review of this script on Ain't It Cool News, and the oh, backlash was so strong. This is back when this stuff mattered. Like, it doesn't matter yeah. anymore, right? No. Um, the only thing that matters is the backlash is about, like, 
social justice stuff, that's what kind of begins to matter. But like if fans think something stupid, nobody cares anymore. They're like, fuck those guys. But Drew wrote a really scathing review of this script. And um, yeah, I think it got the movie killed. I think Mick G was going to direct that. Wow. (laughs) Imagine that. (laughs) Yeah. It's a whole different universe that we like, that was going to be creative. There's no peacemaker in that, in that world where that movie gets made. I'll tell you that much. It's really amazing. Warner Brothers inability to figure out how to handle the most famous superheroes in the world is really quite impressive. It really is shocking. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I mean, uh, for whatever reason, that company has never had the facility for it. They've made some good superhero movies, but what they've done every single time is they've squandered those. Yes. And they would just would just subpar sequels, and they just just hammer them out, and they don't really care about them. Yeah, and um, it just they don't they, they never understood the gold mine they were sitting on. No, and now that they understand it, they don't know how to properly manipulate it, and they might be too late. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I'm interested to see what happens because you know uh, it seems like it seems like they've lost their shot. Although it also seems like they're trying to go for a a more quote unquote adult format for their movies than like not as like far as like Snyder adult, but like, or maybe they are, I don't know. I mean, you know, both birds of prey and suicide squad were rated R. Uh, supposedly the new Batman movie is quite violent and possibly three hours, which seems insane. Uh, it's just like three hours of endlessly brutal violence. <laughs> Just it's every scene is just Batman punching people's faces into goo. <laughs> he just <laughs> limbs. There's like an hour. Just, there's an hour and a half se- sequence in the middle where he's just breaking tibulas. It's just like. <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> uh, but anyway, well, we'll talk more about this. I'm sure over the course of this episode, as we discuss the first three episodes of Peacemaker. But before we get to that, do we have any Marvel Studios news? We do. We have Marvel and DC news. I, I mixed oh, it up here. Oh, boy. Let's do it. Okay. We're going to start with uh, Marvel's uh, uh, Secret Invasion is, is about to begin filming in Halifax. And the city of Halifax is very excited about that. Good for them. So, so finally, it's about time something good happens to Halifax. Yeah, they're very excited. Uh, Halifax's MP, Holly Lynch, said, I confess to being a massive Marvel geek, and so the prospect of filming taking place here in Halifax is incredibly exciting. Another chance to showcase Halifax to the world and once again demonstrate that we uh, can host massive productions like this. Do you you think she's going to get a cameo? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know how that stuff works. Boy, oh boy. So we have that. And then we have kind of a mix DC Marvel news. Uh, John Cena was on the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast where he said that he auditioned for multiple roles for Marvel and they kept turning him down. And uh, now he's Peacemaker. So, you know, we'll see. It's interesting. What the roles were. He would have been good for a number of these different roles. I bet he was up for Drax and shit like that. Like, I'm sure he's been up for a couple of these different roles. I bet he was apparently up for Shazam. Was he? he, he That's what I had heard. Shazam. He was up for Shazam. Yeah. He actually, do you know what? I think he would have been like a really good Shazam. Yeah. And especially them with The Rock being uh, Black Adam, you have that, you know, they've fought each other before in the ring. 
You can bring that energy to it. Well, yeah, and also they're like both big guys. That look, that they're both big guys. They're to buddies. Want, to want Zachary yeah. Levi fight The Rock is going to be painful. Um, but uh, I mean, if they fight, I mean, who, I, yeah. honestly, who even knows what the DC universe is like? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll never meet. Like you know what I mean? Like it's possible. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, he would have been a really good Shazam. I think it would be a really different take on it. Yes. Yeah. And I think it would have been really fun. Like, cause I think he could play that childish thing. And I think that he would, he looks like such a, uh, a huge bro that him doing silly childish stuff would have been great. But yeah. he's, and, and he's got a people. great, like naive face. Yeah. You know, he's really good at making that where his eyes go wide and his mouth is like a little open. He's like, Ooh, right. he's really good at that stuff. And he really shows that off in Peacemaker in these first three episodes in yes. a really big way. Um, he also really shows it off in uh, Blockers, which is a fantastic movie. I highly recommend. I love that movie. Never seen it. Um, no, it's very funny. But uh, yeah, he's great as Peacemaker, though. So I'm glad it all worked out because he's so fucking terrific in this role. Yes. Yep. He is absolutely fantastic. And then we've got uh, Black hmm. Panther 2 is going to start filming again next week. Uh, Letitia Wright is on her way to Atlanta. She so got she, she got the jab. Out. She got the jab. I guess so. They 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 threw enough money at her. I guess. I guess so. I wonder how much it cost. Or maybe uh, is it a matter of did they throw money at her? Or did they throw possible lawsuits at her? Because I would imagine it's possible too, right? Like, hey, you can't hold up a billion dollar. Yeah, maybe. Property. I think I feel like this is the kind of thing where. Um, these anti-vax people have such a feeling of righteousness about it that I wonder if she would have been willing to fight the lawsuit. Like, yeah, the, you know, you can, you can't make me put something in my body that I don't, you know what I mean? Like that, like but, that but feels she, like that righteousness went away with, with, with a certain amount of money, apparently, right? It would be the other option. Well, so. yeah. I mean, like if Marvel shows up and it's like, well, listen, here's $10 million, just get it fucking done. Yeah. I think maybe that actually, yeah. you know what I mean? Like a lot of people's, um, a lot of people's, uh, Held, toughly held convictions disappear the more zeros yeah. you add to a check. Maybe they did it A-team style and they snuck it into her. <laughs> they gave her a glass of milk. They gave her a glass of milk. She went unconscious and then they gave her the shot and then they waited a couple of weeks. They gave her the second one and then they gave her a booster. Like, ha But good. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glad that it's happening. Um, I honestly was like, I don't know what the fuck they're going to do with this cursed movie. And uh, at least they've solved this one issue. So I wonder if it still no word of it being like release date delayed, which seems kind of crazy. But I don't know. Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, obviously, anything. There's no reason to maybe say this just yet. They might, yeah, be ready to figure it out. I don't know. We'll we'll see. There's a lot of rumors that uh, Aquaman two is going to be delayed. The thing is that with Black Panther, because they've been on hiatus for so long, it's very plausible that they've been able to edit huge segments of the movie. Yes, that's very plausible. They yeah. probably weren't just sitting around on their hands. They probably were no. I, I imagine they had course. FX work happening, and yeah, like all that yeah. stuff. Editing so that's the thing. I mean, score. yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, that one one big thing right now, there is a lot of rumbling that Aquaman two is going to get delayed, just because it's supposed to come out like two weeks after Black Panther and it comes out on the same day as Avatar 2 and they're like, might not be a bad idea to move it. It's getting delayed because Jason Momoa is getting divorced and I can't even imagine what that man's phone was like the minute that it was announced. <laughs> I can't even imagine the text this guy was getting. I, it's crazy. 
Here's the amazing thing. The same day that James Wan puts a thing on Instagram being like, we finished filming today. It's done. Today was the final day of filming. And then like 10 minutes later, Jason Momoa was like, yo, I'm single. (laughs) Yo. It's crazy. I can't even imagine the amount of debauchery that guy's going to get into. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's like next level. Like it's just, it's, it's un, it's unbelievable. It's yeah. Yeah. It's pretty wild. But uh, yeah. I, I wasn't going to cover that part of the news because that's it's personal, but I mean, it's like, it ties in. It just ties in. It's so funny. Uh, okay. And then the final bit of news, as we move into DC news now, full DC news is the reveal of the Batgirl costume. It looks like the, the uh, latest comic iteration. No, it does not. The latest no. comic iteration looks different. Oh, the it looks like one from no, about not, six years ago. So okay, well, I guess that's where my brain is. My brain is the yeah. one from six years it's, ago. It's the new 52 Batgirl of Burnside look. Yeah. And I think it looks good. I think I really like the helmet. I like that she's got big ears. I like that it's purple and yellow, so it pops out a little bit. You know? Yeah, I, like I, mean, I thought it looked good. Yeah. I thought it looked, I thought it. It looked, it looked, it looked good. Mixed reactions online. Yeah, of course, always. It's a it's a costume that woman's inside of. Well, and also things like like why, why would she have a yellow cape? She's trying to hide. It should be dark. Everything should be black. Why isn't it armor? A, a line of dialogue that happens in Peacemaker. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. And then he gives the Batman answer for why he wears red and yellow. <laughs> and <then> strikes fear. <laughs> 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 Uh, but, uh, <laughs> the other piece of news is that Moon Knight release date's been announced. Was it officially announced? I thought it wasn't going to be announced till tomorrow with the trailer. Yeah, but I think that, um, that information is correct, is my understanding. Okay. I think that that's okay. correct information. The trailer's coming tomorrow. We weren't sure if we were going to record this episode, like, wait to, like, watch the trailer so we could talk about it. But it turns out the trailer's happening tomorrow, so either yep. we're going to have a very late episode about that or we're going to maybe do an emergency episode we'll see how good the trailers yes. um but uh it's the end of march yeah march 20th i believe said. yeah so um that this that that should work out pretty tight for us that should actually work out pretty good yeah that's exciting thanks guys gonna, thanks for working it out thanks for working it out so we can continue this podcast going with, with minimal <laughs> minimal interruptions <laughs> uh yeah. i i think that's the decision making process they wanted to look out for marvel vision I, I've heard from on high that there are people watching us. So, like at home, like at home, like right now, I, I look out my window and I can see uh, Peyton Reed staring at me. <laughs> All right, it was that's a, it after for my Ant Man joke, and now <laughs> that's it for news. Unless we want to talk about the amazing multiverse of madness insanity that's happening, I don't because it's just so much of it feels like horseshit to me. It's all either. Either all these rumors that have popped out today are, are horseshit or it's going to be a terrible movie because I can't – it feels like it's going to be every three minutes it's going to be somebody walking through a door waiting for the crowd to cheer and be like, it's me. Hey. Yeah, I don't me. know. I don't know what the hell's going on with that. I mean there might have been a screening. I mean that seems reasonable. I know there was a screening a couple of weeks ago. But aren't they that- still doing reshoots right now? And they finished the reshoots. The reshoots went oh, through okay. the end of the year. So what they're probably okay. showing right now is some kind of edit that um, 
has some of these reshoots integrated into them as they're yeah. trying to figure out the how that's working. But um, I don't know. I mean, the thing is that stuff doesn't really leak out of Marvel screenings so much. Um, but I don't. I don't know. I mean, it just seems unlikely to me that all of these rumors are true. There's just so many, and they're all so they're all so fan oriented. Yeah. You know, because the yeah. internet's just fucking been horny to get John Krasinski in the MCU. The, the, like the dullest man possible. Just terrible. And nothing against John Krasinski. I think he's a fine actor and all, but it's just like, what a bland choice. I have a lot of against John Krasinski. Do you? I don't. Yeah, John Krasinski claims he's not a Republican, but if you look at his roles, I have a hard time believing that. I, I'm not going to go off of somebody's roles. I mean, I'm not... It's just weird. Like it's like, weird. Like, like, I, I don't think I don't think that uh, Willem Dafoe is really like a murderer because he, he's playing killers a lot. You know, like yeah, no, I get that. But the thing is, is that when John Krasinski decided to go serious, he decided to go serious with these like really like right wing jingoistic properties. Do you know what I mean? Like he didn't go serious with like, and even I think I think that A Quiet Place is a right wing movie. You Have we talked so? about this? Yeah, I think it's a right wing no. movie. Yeah, I, okay. I didn't. It's a 100% right wing movie because I think what it is is that it's a movie about the ultimate right wing dream. And the ultimate right wing dream is this family unit where the man is in charge, right? He's like, he's a big in charge man. And then he, he spoilers for an old movie. Um, he dies heroically to save his family. Like, that's all like very like wet dream stuff for these people. But the thing that makes it really right wing to me is that um, this family lives as an isolated unit and never makes contact with anybody else. And that whole premise of having people across the valley but never talking to them or communicating yeah. with them is just like so American individualistic fantasy shit. Because the reality is that in a post-apocalypse, you have to create com- – in everything, you have to create community. But the, uh, the right-wing vision is, not, is non-communal. They, yeah. they, they, it's, it's all individualistic. And so this vision of a post-apocalypse that is so hyper-individualistic um, is so great for the right-wing fantasy building. Because I think that a regular okay. person, or a, a, like a, re- a regular person would look at this and would have created a system where the people are communicating across the valley be, via like Morse code. You know what I mean? Like the like the flashing light, Morse code or whatever. But there's not even like a consideration of communicating with anybody well, in this movie. And he didn't write the first one, right? No, he didn't write the first one. I don't know how much from the original scripts were like – he came on and he like you know worked with them. And I don't know how much of it, it was just what appealed to him about it. Do you know what I mean? Like part of that process is about the choices that you're making in terms of what you're doing. I mean I, I think personally I think what might have appealed to him about it is it's a small cast. You can keep it at a lower budget more likely that somebody will give him the money to go make that movie as a first time director or a second time director. Cause he directed like one other thing before that. Right. So. He directed brief interviews with hideous men, a uh, yeah. very bad adaptation of a David Foster Wallace novel. Yeah. And he also, uh, don't forget he did uh, Away we go, which is a movie I love, which he didn't direct with Sam Mendes. Yeah, no, but- no, he's, he's good in Away we go. And that might've also been like an angle for him to go in. Like, do you know what yeah. I mean? But he went with an angle where it's the fucking Michael Bay movie. And then it's fucking uh, Jack Ryan. This is, if I, if I had to guess, I would say his agents were like, look, man, you played the good guy. Like, weakling on the office for like 10 years you got to show people you can do other stuff that you're tough too you got to get out there and show them you're tough and so that's what he does 
Well, I mean, that's part of it. But then the decision-making process doing that still remains that, like, I mean, like, I kind of get that, like, you get the opportunity to do a Michael Bay thing and maybe you kind of want to do it. Although, frankly, that movie, I, I don't think I would have made that movie, period. Did you no, ever see it's it? It's a weird one. No, I didn't see that one because I was like, I don't know if we need a, a Benghazi movie. Yeah, that's the thing. Is it, like, it's so deeply tied into a political, right-wing political yeah. thing yeah. that it feels like I don't think John Krasinski needed the money. Like no. sometimes working actors, like they're working actors, like whatever, like, you know what I mean? Like you're not going to hold it against them because they were in like shitty, weird Christian movies or whatever, because like they got paid, like they needed to pay their rent. John Krasinski has enough money that like he doesn't need to take that kind of a role. And if you hang around Michael Bay long enough, you get to go be in his ambulance movie, right? Like, which yeah. also still looks like it might be a little bit right wing uh, blue lives matter to me, but like, whatever. Um, but like the Benghazi in particular is such a fucking was such a right wing talking point and was such a nothing story. Yeah. Um, the movie's OK. It's like not that great. It's OK. Like it's fine. Um, but like I don't know that, that that's the thing that I feel really I mean maybe Krasinski just out of touch and was like oh this is like Black Hawk Down. You know what I mean? Like maybe he's just like super yeah. fucking out of touch. But then he comes and does Jack Ryan which is just like uh, super hard. I, I like Jack Ryan stuff. Don't get me wrong. But like that as your next big TV show, like as I don't know, it was weird. This is weird to me. Yeah, I mean the Jack Ryan too. I feel like I mean it's Harrison Ford, it's Alec Baldwin, it's Ben Affleck, and then it's him. And to be like he's the one who's who's Republican, who's a conservative because of it, is well, a no, weird I, path to go down. I feel that because it because he comes off of it, he comes onto it off of the Benghazi movie. Yes, yeah, and then also because I think A Quiet Place feels like a conservative movie to me. So like I don't get that feeling things. with A Quiet Place. I really, I really don't. I don't remember if I wrote about this on Facebook. I'm trying to see if I find if I ever wrote anything more, more about this. I haven't watched that. He's also playing Superman now, so don't forget that. It's you know, by the way, Quiet Place Two is really terrible. I didn't. I I haven't seen it. It's very bad. It's like very bad. uh, Yeah, I haven't seen it. He's also in Detroit. He did Detroit, which was. uh, who did that? I can't remember now. Catherine uh, Bigelow. Bigelow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Detroit, that was a movie that was considered problematic. I can't remember the role he that, played. That was between, that. I think that was between Tom Clancy's 2018, Detroit was 2017, 13 Hours was 2016. Aloha, he's in Aloha. Nobody had a problem with that movie. Is that the Cameron Crowe movie? Yeah. That's a real problem movie. He only yeah. makes problematic movies. He's like, he looks at the script and goes, is it really problematic? You, you do have to think, like, he's out in the office, he gets a call, it's Cameron Crowe, he's like, I want you to be in my new movie. It's going to have fucking uh, uh, Bradley Emma Cooper. Emma Stone, she's playing Asian. Emma Stone and, and Alec Baldwin <laughs> and Bill Murray and Rachel McAdams, and I want you to be in it too. And he's like, hell yeah, what's going on? He's like, well, Emma Stone plays Allison Ng. What? I'm sorry? <laughs> She played two. Yeah, it's tough, man. That's a tough one. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I could be wrong. And we're probably, probably going to get comments and replies that are angry about this because I don't. This is not like a cancel culture thing where it's like no way that he should be allowed to work anymore. But like, yeah. I just kind of like, I kind of don't like him. You know, I, I mean, I kind of never liked him, frankly. Um, yeah. There's something about his face that I never liked. But uh, I'm sure he's a great guy. Somebody who is like somebody. A friend of mine is gonna be like, no, I, I know John Krasinski. He's a great guy. Uh, and maybe he's John Krasinski uh, uh, hanging out with the Obamas at Hamilton. I mean, that's a pretty liberal thing to do, right? That's <laughs> that's the most liberal thing to do. <laughs> was he shouting "Yes, Queen" the whole time? <laughs> he, he, he was giving out free abortions during it. <laughs> 
I mean, so. I could be wrong. I mean, I've been wrong a million times. I mean, I could yeah. be wrong, but there's just something about this guy that I feel like he got like a right wing thing going on. But I don't know. It's because he's know. he's tall. Like like he's definitely not as political as a lot of other actors of his like level. So I think he he probably like like I'm sure he he doesn't go out because he knows like oh if I go out there then ratings on you know on, on my show are going to drop because there are probably a lot of right wing people that watch that show because it is I have to imagine it's only right wing people that watch that show right who watches that show our father watches that show he doesn't he's blind so uh, well, he, 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 he listens to that show I guess. he listens to that show. <laughs> All yes. right, we're going too long here. We have the three he episodes. Loves the, of, the Atmos sound on it. There you go. That's our father is 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 agnostic when it comes to politics. As long as the Atmos is good, yes. We he and I go back and forth on Atmos sound all the time. Um, Give each other we, tips on what sounds good. We need to uh, cut, tie this up because we've got three episodes of Peacemaker to talk about. We do. We do. I don't know what asshole decided to do that. I mean, I guess I understand why they did, they, why they wanted to end it on three, having seen all three. But still, I was like, no, you should have just done two, guys. But whatever. Are you ready to talk about it? Yep. Oh, wait. We have to do oh, jokes. Well, no. The, the official DC superhero joke book that oh, I bought. Oh, that's right. Okay. That's right. This is exciting because I'm going to open out for the first time. You ready? Back yeah. for the first joke. Yeah. Where does Catwoman buy her clothes? Where? From a catalog. Okay. Okay. What would they call Superman if he turned to a life of crime? Uh, uh, Omni Man. Uh, actually, it should be Ultraman because that's what Ultraman. Sorry, that's what I was trying to do. Yeah, Ultraman. But uh, the joke is the Man of Steel. S T E A L. Pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. What is it called when Catwoman misses her waste basket? Basket. A cat ass trophy. Kitty litter. Kitty litter. Pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. Not yeah. bad. Not bad. This better than some of the Marvel shit we had. At least it's three in a row that are connected to actual characters. And like, actually, is like, yeah, yeah, it's got something to do with them. Not just, not just dropping their name in the sentence. Yeah. All right. You ready to talk about Peacemaker? I am. Let's do it. Peacemaker episodes one, two, and three. Who's ready for this? What are they called? Well, the first episode is called A Whole New World. W H I R L E D. I'm ready to start there. All right. You ready? Yeah. Uh, We start off. It's a few months after the events of Suicide Squad, which if you didn't see Suicide Squad, uh, Peacemaker got shot in the throat and a building fell on him, but he's magically survived and uh, he's in the hospital and he's healed up. He didn't just magically survived. He just like broke his collarbone. <laughs> yeah, the, the doctor says in the scene where they're looking over his x-rays and, and she's like, it's pretty impressive that you got shot in the throat, a building fell on you, and all you did was break your collarbone. <laughs> so <laughs> pretty good. Yeah. And he's very upset that his x-rays are not showing off his definition. So he's a little sad by that. Uh, he wants to show off his muscles and his x-rays. But uh, he's, he's cleared to go. He's free to go from the hospital. And he's quite confused because he feels like he should be going back to prison, but no one's there to pick him up. So he quickly makes a run for it and leaves. 
uh, gets into a, a cab and drives off. And then we get our opening credits. You skipped you skip something. I skipped a lot because you're supposed to jump in. That's how we usually do this. When I know. I know. That's, that's what I'm doing. Usually you jump okay. in and go, you, you skip something. Okay, go for it. <laughs> but, wait, but wait, you missed something. That's what you always jump in and say. Yes. You skipped that janitor in the hallway. Yes. Uh, one of my favorite little uh, exchanges in the in the show so far is the janitor in the hallway. And it just goes to show how James Gunn writes characters and how he thinks of these things. Yeah. That the janitor in the hallway has an entire backstory to him, that he's an MIT graduate who just did yes. not want the uh, responsibility, the responsibility. Yeah. And well, so he's now he's come back. James Gunn said he's in more episodes, so. He's in the opening yes. credits, so it made sense that he'd be yeah. in more episodes. Um, but uh, so is the, the old man neighbor. So who knows? Who knows? But he he could be in more episodes too. Um, so. But he's delightful. They have such a delightful back and forth, and it includes the fact that he just cannot believe the Peacemaker is a superhero. But then when he finds out who what superhero he is, he goes, "Aren't you racist? Well, Did it, you just, it, just kill people of color." It, it's an interesting opening because. Right off the bat, it tells you straight off the bat that he is your Facebook loving uncle who believes everything they read on Facebook and you know is racist because he he says the stuff about Aquaman about that Aquaman fucks fish and he knows this because he read it on Twitter from like Pepe Lover twenty three or whatever. Yeah, right? he's like why point eighty nine or yeah, whatever. Why, 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 would you, why would you lie to me? <laughs> yeah, like you know, and then later on, there's a thing where he says like. That Facebook said something. There's no reason for Facebook to lie to him. So you know he just believes whatever he, le- he reads online. And here the guy confronts him and says, "You you kill people of color." And he says, he admits to it. He's like, "Yeah, I got to work on that. I got to up my my killing of white people." <laughs> so he he to, promises to kill more white people. <laughs> yes, so good. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> and then he escapes. He gets into that cab. He gets in the cab, and then we have. This fantastic opening credits dance number that uh, James Gunn specifically created to try and keep people from skipping the opening credits. And yeah, really, I feel like it works. I mean, just like watching him in the darkness do that dance move into the lights is just like in, like it's the amazing. second that began happening, I couldn't believe it. What makes it really special is that all of the actors, like it's all the characters, like it's just like a bunch of characters that are in the show. And it feels almost like a sitcom opening in that way because it's all the characters coming in. But they're also really all deadpan the whole time. Yes. I think that's like the most magic part is that they're all really deadpan and just staring straight ahead. It's really an amazing opening sequence. Yeah. Well, it's like the old Cosby show openings because they would do that. They had the dance numbers for every season. Right, but they're like doing dance numbers, but they're like they're, they're never as choreographed as this, and they're like they're like having a good time. That's like this. That's yeah. like the sitcom thing. Like we're having a good time here. Yeah. But this is Not like here. they are staring straight ahead and they're going through all the motions. It's so fucking terrific. Yeah. It's and it's, all of the characters show up. It's like yes. it's amazing. Yeah, and and again, I I feel like there's going to be a lot of filleting of James Gunn during this podcast. Uh, the beauty of James Gunn is he understands every. 20 seconds something new has to come into this opening credits to keep it going to keep it right. exciting so like we start off with peacemaker and then he gets joined by vigilante and uh i forgot the character's name uh daniel brooks whatever her character's name is okay and uh leota and they come in and start dancing and then like more people come in and start dancing and it keeps going and going and then at the end the uh judo master comes out of the ground <laughs> like, the judo master coming out is great it's amazing it's so good. And Robert Patrick so doing good. the hip thrusts into the yeah, camera. Robert Patrick doing hip thrusts. So good. Which, so good. Speaking of Robert Patrick, do you think at some point 
James Gunn was like, oh, I should have killed off Michael Rooker in Suicide Squad. Like, that's the role for Michael Rooker in this, right? It would be Peacemaker's racist dad. No, I don't. I do think that that would be the casting that Gunn would have normally done. But I actually think that this is very freeing for him for a yes. couple of reasons. One of which is that Rooker at this point, because of his James Gunn association, even though Rooker has played plenty of badasses, killers, racists, and monsters, he in modern audience eyes, they know that he's funny. Yes. Do you know what? It's like, it's like, it's like Leslie Nielsen. Like if you only grew up watching Leslie Nielsen in airplane and naked gun, it's like stunning to go back and look at Leslie Nielsen as an actor previous to that. He's just like a serious actor. Like it's hard, it's hard to go back and look at those things and to realize that he was like a serious actor at one point. Um, and so not, that's not quite the case with Rooker, but I think that he has now been in enough gun stuff that when Rooker shows up, you already get the gist of what he's going to be. And I think that gun doesn't want to do that here. I think gun is trying to, um, create a different kind of a character. I suspect that this character is going to have a lot less, um, cuddliness at the end when it all said, yeah, I would think so. Because That's he does appear to be a white supremacist uh, cult leader. So. Yes. <laughs> Called White Dragon. Yeah, it's tough to come back from that. Like, yes, you know, can come back from being like, I should have let the Ravagers eat you, kid. Like, you can yeah. you can come back from that. But the white supremacist uh, cult thing, you can't come back from That's that. That's hard. Yeah. And he is a character from the comics as well. So. He is. He is. Uh, but anyway, uh, the credits finish and we cut to the Peacemaker pulling up in the cab in front of his trailer, painted red, white, and blue. And uh, he's he's got no money. He's only got money from the country they were in for Suicide Squad. He's money, and he's like, maybe this could be worth fifteen cents, or it could be worth a million dollars. And the cab driver's like, it's not worth a million dollars. Yeah. So he ends up giving the the cab driver his helmet as payment, (laughs) and then he can't get into his uh, his home, so he's got to break in, and uh, comes to find that his phone is still working, and he's got like eight hundred messages from the past four years. Because he's been in prison for vigilante. Four years. He's been in prison for four years for vigilante, and then he uh, heads off to his home, to his dad's house. Right, this is when he goes to his dad's house. Yep. Oh no, no, no. I'm sorry. I take that back. Uh, the team shows up. You know, uh, it turns out that he is still, in fact, uh, wanted. They're yeah, still- he thought that he got away. He thought there was like some kind of like glaring omission that just allowed him to just leave the hospital and go home. And then when yeah. the team the team shows up, uh, he is very upset. And he has like a really good like – he has a reaction that reminds me a lot of Paul Rudd in um, What Had American Summer because um, he has like a real childish adolescent reaction. He's like, fuck, fuck, yeah. fuck. Why is my life so full of shit? Like it's like just such a perfectly like I'm 14 years old reaction. Yeah. Yeah. And I think 14 years old is exactly what Peacemaker is. Oh, very much so. Yeah, yeah. I also I skipped a bit here where uh, we get to see uh, uh, Leota and her wife checking in at the hotel, and they have a dog that they dress up. It is really terrible for you to skip that because that dog dressed up is incredible looking, and it's also important to the story. Yeah, sort Keep of. That in mind. Yeah, well, it's important to her character story, so at least so far. Uh, but anyway, yeah, they all show up, and he's kind of bummed out that he's been caught, and now he's got to be part of a of a new uh, project, Project Butterfly which he believes is about a Mothra and he demands that they give him a, a rocket pack to jetpack so he can fight a, he can fight a Mothra. Yes. Which in the comics peacemaker has a jetpack. So maybe he'll get it. Maybe I think that's more than just a joke. So we Uh, meet the team here and some of these characters are characters we already know. Right. So um, yes, we, we know uh, Harcourt, uh, economist and that's it. 
right? Those yeah, two hardcore. we know from, from uh, Suicide Squad. And that's uh, Jennifer and Holland. Economist, you're right. We, yeah, and uh, uh, but now we meet um, we meet Clemson Mum. Mern. Is it Mern? M-U-R-N, Mern. Okay, Clemson Mern. Do you yeah. have any idea who this is? I don't. I do you don't. think he's I supposed have... to be somebody or do you think he's brand new? I I think th- this is my theory going into this is at some point James Gunn was playing with the idea of having it be uh uh what's his name uh, uh Mr. Terrific. And then dec- and somewhere along the line they might have decided against that. And so they created a new character. But why 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 do you think that? Because in the comics, Mr. Terrific was part of Checkmate, and he was the the White King, I think, and uh, and Amanda Waller was the White Queen, and so they worked together. And in mm-hmm. this, he's like, I'm working with Amanda Waller, and I, that's why. And then I think I wouldn't be, be surprised if someone, either James Gunn was like, I don't want to mess with Mr. Terrific this much because it's such a different take on the character, or someone at Warner Brothers was like, No, we have other plans for Mr. Terrific. I don't get the feeling that that's the sentence that would ever be said by Warner Brothers. I don't mean that as a way of putting down Mr. Terrific. I mean that as in they seem to have just given up in terms keep in of mind, trying to well, Keep stuff. in mind that Mr. Terrific just had a massively popular, critically acclaimed uh, comic series. Miniseries. No, for sure. But I, I don't mean so that. I can see them being like, oh, maybe we'll do that. And, all, and I mean, Gunn had said that there were characters he's not allowed to play with. That's so, so interesting to me because the characters that he does play with and talk about in this show already – are like shocking to me. Yes. Yeah. So I, I, I it's like very surprising. Um, yes. But I like Clemson Murn a lot. I think this is a really good new character. Um, uh, it's uh, played by a guy named I'm. I'm now I'm going to do the Derek part where I'm going to get a guy's name wrong. By the way, you being the recap guy is pretty interesting because you can't see people's names. So that's pretty good. I think it's going to make some interesting uh, business in the course of this podcast. I got that uh, right here. I got it all written down. Uh, but it's uh, Chuck Woody Iwuji is, I believe, how we pronounce the actor's name. He's a he's a, he's a stage guy, and he was in this movie. Daniel isn't real. This uh, terrific movie that a uh, a terrific uh, young filmmaker named Ad- Adam Egypt Mortimer made. Oh, there you go. Uh, and uh, but he's really heard great good things this. about that. I've not seen that movie, but I hear it's very good. It's uh, he's really really great in this. I think that he has this real intensity, um, and he's able to bring a really excellent comedic frustration yes. because he's playing a straight man, right? That's what he's really playing. Like the rest of these characters are clowns around him, a lot of them, and yeah. he's frustrated by them all of the time. And he plays it in a way that never feels so exasperated that it's annoying. I think he really he really fucking kills it. Well, he very much works within the James Gunn mold of all, all of these characters are broken. And all of them are trying to fix themselves in some right. way. And, and his whole thing, as we learn later on in, in these episodes, is he's never expressed emotion to people. And he's trying right. to learn to connect to people now. And, and he's, he's done like, things in his past that he's not proud of. And he's trying to that whole sequence well. where he's like, he's like, have you ever said you felt chilly? Because I was no, what am I, a baby? <laughs> <laughs> that was great. So great. That was um, so good. The other new character is Leota. Daniel Brooks, who got married this weekend. She decided to get oh, married the weekend that her, her TV oh, show came out. And she looked gorgeous. What an incredible wedding dress she had, by the way. Um, she is so fucking great in this show. And uh, she has such a presence. And that's like really incredible because she is surrounded by like comedic powerhouses. 
yeah. in a lot of her scenes, and she is never uh, submerged. She's really, I think she's coming. She stands up. She pops. Look, yeah. she's got she's got a Tony nomination, so she is not like, and she was on Orange is the New Black. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, so she's yeah. not like. And, and the role was written for her. Like he yeah, wrote but, it for her. Right, but this feels like one of those roles that feels like it's going to take an actor who is like at one level and just Push her right take out. her yeah. to the next level. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, and she's her. Uh, rambling monologue in this sequence where she talks to everybody because she's the new person on the job and she's like, I'm so excited to work with all of you and you know, hardcore me and you were the only women on the team so we got to stick together, which I greatly like because there's like three guys, two girls. It's not like they're super outnumbered like usually when that kind of format happens in a show and uh, and all that, like her whole speech I really enjoyed. I really liked it. Yeah, she's really, really great. And meanwhile, Steve Agee's eating four-year-old olives. Yeah, he sure is. Is this yeah. when he gets his nickname? Yes. Uh, Diebeard. Yes. <laughs> Which feels like a personal attack on Steve Agee by his friend James Gunn. <laughs> it does, right? I was like, <laughs> I was like, that's a weird thing to do because I've never seen Steve Agee not have that, that color beard before. So it never occurred to me whether or not he dyes it. And now I'm like, <laughs> does he dye it? I don't know. Well, you know, he can't be, can't be that mean spirited, uh, because, um, they're good friends. I know that this is yeah. how these guys hang out and talk, but also James Gunn just gave up the dyed hair lifestyle himself. Yes. Yes. So, um, he has gone very, 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 very white haired. Yes. And so I think that this is, you know, good, just like a good natured thing happened. Yeah. Here. Oh, for sure. For sure. And, but, but I like, it's a good little bit too, which I like. It but, is a good uh, really bit. And knowing James Gunn, this is going to come back in the final episode in a deeply emotional way. Yeah. There's going to be something that connects into it without a doubt. Without Cause a doubt. he, cause it keeps coming up throughout the course of the series so far. Yes. Yeah. Like every episode it's brought up so far at least, yeah. at least once every episode. But uh, anyway, yeah, it's, it's project butterfly. They won't tell peacemaker what butterflies are. But everyone else seems to know what they are, but he's not allowed to know. And uh, they make an agreement to meet up later at an Italian restaurant uh, while Peacemaker goes and gets himself situated now that he's out of prison, which leads us to Peacemaker going to see his dad. Yeah, and Robert Patrick, really incredible. What an amazing haircut on Robert Patrick in this TV show. <laughs> like, just the, like the most racist haircut you can have. Like, it's crazy here's, how racist his haircut is. Here's the weirdest thing about it. I saw him doing interviews for the show which means it's post filming. Cause it was like this past week, he still has that haircut. Uh, I saw Robert Patrick this past week in person. And yes, he still has a haircut. But does he just like it? <laughs> he might, he might just, he might just like it. I think he has more volume on the show than he does in real life. Yeah. Yeah. He has a, he has also, a high and tight, but like in the show, he's got a high and tight with like a fucking like a DA or whatever. Yeah. It's crazy. And is he, does he not have eyebrows or did he shave them for the show? I'm not sure. This was a discussion that we had here in my home, <laughs> whether or not Robert Patrick went full drag queen and shaved his eyebrows or not. Yeah. It's impressive either way. I don't know. But anyway, we get to see his home and, uh, he is a horrible father right off the bat. That is very clear, but, uh, he's been taking care of Eagly, the pet Eagle of Peacemaker who quickly gives Peacemaker a hug. It's a very touching moment, and uh, that's very nice. And then they go back inside, and uh, Peacemaker tells him all about his adventure and about uh, uh, Bloodsport being uh, afraid of rats, which his father finds endlessly hilarious, which he is a finds great this, sequence. Yeah, the story of Bloodsport being abused by his father, uh, <laughs> Robert Patrick almost dies laughing so hard. He literally, he has, Peacemaker has to go get a cup of water for his dad. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, a great moment. 
Yeah. And then from that, we see that he's got a secret closet that leads into an alternate dimension of some sort. It's a fucking it's tesseract room. in there. Yeah. yeah. Which is so exciting to me that they're just like, yeah, this happens. Look, he's got that. What are you going to do about it? And it's, it's just filled with equipment. It's full with a lot of fucking equipment, including a whole bunch of Peacemaker helmets. Yes. One of which gives you scabies. One of which gives you scabies. Why would you, why would you want a helmet that gives you scabies? To test yourself, see if you're a real man. <laughs> it's so funny. Great. <laughs> um, so this is really interesting, right? Because White Dragon, is a, he's, he's White Dragon. Like, let's just jump ahead a little bit. And yeah. that's a character from DC Comics. So there's a couple of different guys that are White Dragon, right? I like, believe so, like, yes. There's not like one like real specific White Dragon that we're probably thinking of here. Yeah. Or, or is there? I, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about White Dragon in the comics to say. Um, I mean, the show makes it very clear that he seems to have been a super something in the past because they mentioned that he should be in Bell Reeve at one point because he's, right. he's a cape. Right. And he he mentions that he that he was doing this before John Cena. So he might have been the first peacemaker. Yeah, I guess. You know, there's a White Dragon from Earth 2 who yeah. wears a uh, – sort of a clan like hood, but there's a white dragon from, um, the, the guy himself, from the main universe, um, with dragon He's a, a neo-Nazi who was in the suicide squad. Yeah. So, um, and a couple of different guys had that. His name was William Heller. That's obviously not the name of the character here. No. Um, but that probably is what gun is playing with here, which is that character, uh, who was in, who was in fact a Nazi, uh, who is in uh, Suicide Squad. And he's like uh, not just any old uh, Suicide Squad. He's an Ostrander Suicide Squad. So yes. um, that's Which a lot of what Gunn, Gunn goes to. Yeah. yeah. yeah, That is Gunn's uh, point of reference. Yeah. So it's interesting. And I wonder if we're going to find out that he was in an uh, earlier iteration of the Suicide Squad. Very possible. Very possible. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? That would be. That would be. Well, meanwhile, as as – Peacemaker's getting his new costume along with a new helmet that can do sonic blasts. Uh, the rest of the team is setting up their their new headquarters, which sucks. It seems to be – I couldn't tell if it was an old video store or like a a coffee house maybe. Yeah, it was hard to, hard to be sure. It has a piano. It's got a piano. It yeah, which made me think like some kind of coffee house where like – they put on shows on like Monday night, like hey, or it might be just a space that the owner had just kept throwing crap into. There's no place else to put it. Yeah, whatever the case, the next time we see it, it looks fantastic. Like they fix it up real quick. But uh, they're all in there and they're discussing what to do, how things work, and it's not nothing too crazy happens in that scene, from what I remember. Uh, and then from that, we go to uh, dinner. They go, they meet at the Italian restaurant. Peacemaker shows up in full costume. Love it. Car. Like, why is why is he here in cosplay they in ask cosplay. well i like it because he gets out of the car his his american flag car and they're like oh my god he's in full costume this is so this is this has got to be a joke and and uh, uh the boss is like no no it's serious and there's you know amanda waller's not messing with us and then he goes he's got an eagle in the back seat and he's like amanda waller's fucking with us <laughs> Which I love. yeah and then he comes in, uh, he, a busboy creepishly stares at him and waves, and he's very confused by that, and he thinks it might be his old buddy's uh, little brother. And then uh, he 
He's demeaning to the waitress. He calls her sweet cheeks. But he which doesn't he does mean not, to call her sweet he does cheeks. Not mean, he does not understand that that's a demeaning thing. He thinks it's really about your cheeks, not your butt. But my favorite part of this bit where they're like mad at him for saying sweet cheeks to the wait, to the waitress is that he's like, well, it's not like I said sugar tits, which is what Mel yes. Gibson said to the cop. I love that they yeah. that, that gun throws sugar tits in there. Well, he's so to get the, the, the uh, what's his face thing later on? The comedian? Louis C.K.? Louis C.K. bit. What a fucking on. extended Louis C.K. bit. Yeah, that, I really <laughs> wonder what Warner Brothers legal was like for that. I but, nothing. Uh, like, no, he's a public figure. You could say yeah, a lot of stuff about public yeah, figures. I guess. Warner Brothers would be concerned, would be concerned if they thought they were going to work with Louis C.K. They might be concerned about it, but they're yeah. never going to work with Louis C.K., so yeah. they're not concerned about it. Yeah, but they will work with... Uh, Mel Gibson, Gibson, who is doing a uh, Lethal Weapon 5 with them. Yeah. 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 Unless they're all like, that's not really happening. No, I think it's happening. I think it really is happening. They don't know how to make DC movies, but they're going to keep churning out Lethal Weapons. Yeah. Um, I also like in the sequence that when he orders his, his, uh, his, what does he order? The zucchini spaghetti? Zoodles. And the waitress says, good choice. And he's like, yeah, good choice. Like he's, he's really proud of himself that it's a good choice. Yeah. Oh really like man, that. John Cena is so good. He's just so good in every single moment. Like it's like wild the level of the level of stupidity and also deep interiority that he brings to this character. He is both yes. unbelievably dumb and unbelievably deep. Like like there's like a lot going on in there. Even well, as this guy is incredibly dumb. As Leota says later in the episode, she's like like he's racist. He's you know he's a horrible killer, but there's something very sad about him that yeah. makes you hope for him and it's yeah it that's Gun's all great at that. characters and and, yes, and, and cena's great at acting it so yeah cena's so great at it yeah but uh so they eat they give him his, his orders he's got to kill a senator a u.s senator and uh they send the kids him, and the well no he doesn't know the kids yet just the senator at this point and uh because they're just eating the dinner and they give him the file on the senator and they, but they still won't tell him what a what a butterfly, butterfly is. is so he's very confused but He's like, okay, you want me to kill a senator? I guess that's what I'm going to have to do. Well, it's very funny because the reason why he thinks it's a Mothra is because the last mission he had with with this it was this called department. Project Starfish, and there was a giant starfish. I mean, yeah, it's like, only fair. It's only proper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And as we learn later on, it's not like Project Butterfly is a sneaky name for what's going on. It definitely is not. No. So he's not far off. Uh, we now we get to watch the busboy go hang out in the back, throw out some garbage, and do a this butt dance. Maybe my favorite fucking scene because he gets caught doing it and then by a coworker and he tries to talk his way out of it by explaining that his girlfriend's getting an abortion. <laughs> and then at the end, his girlfriend is pregnant and, and he's like, you got a girlfriend? Why do you keep trying to get me to hook you up with, with my cousin? And he's like, oh, we're not really boyfriend, girlfriend. And he's like, well, why are you excited that she's having a baby? He's like, well, because we're going to have an abortion. <laughs> He's excited by the abortion, and then he invites the guy to the abortion. Oh, you know, you, you want to come? And it's like, I don't want to come to your abortion. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> so, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. But uh, And then from here, we get to see a quick moment with uh, uh, Eagly, Peacemaker, and uh, uh, I'm so bad at names, aren't I? You really are. That's why you're a great recap guy. Yeah, look at this. And Leota, as they, they hang out in the in the parking lot for a moment and eagerly bites Leota. But not as hard as he bites other people. We not as hard as he bites other people, yes. So, so that means he likes her. And uh, But they have a nice little conversation. She calls uh, Peacemaker uh, Sweet Cheeks, which he finds very funny. 
And I enjoyed that. And I also like that when he gets in the car and Eagly is behind the driver's seat, he's like, are you going to drive? Are you ready to drive? <laughs> Maybe he'll have. And then we get to see, uh, from there we go to a bar where Adrian is hanging out, right? Am I thinking of, oh, no, that's Adrian Chase. Uh, no, he we we see Pete we see Peacemaker driving down the street, and then he catches sight of Harcourt going into a bar, and he does yeah. a creepy turnaround, and then goes into the bar and tries to pretend he, he's like, oh, I didn't realize you were in here. And while she's in there, she gets hit on by this guy, this total creepazoid. And uh, when Peacemaker gets in, the creepazoid's friend comes to give her a hard time because she just shut his buddy down so badly, yeah. and she beats the Wrecks shit him. out of this guy. Yeah, and this is the moment that Peacemaker falls in love. Yes, he's he's now definitively in love with her. Although, as he says to her, he's not he's not looking for a relationship. It's just been four years since he's had sex with a woman. At first, he says sex since I've had sex, and he says, "Well, sex with a woman." And then, <laughs> so some hanky panky in prison with him, and uh, and and he uh, he he wants to have sex with her, and she says no, and he's shocked that she doesn't want to have sex with him after she says that he's handsome. And I, I like that that she pulls it where she's she's like she, she she's like like I'm supposed to you know I I clocked you doing the U-turn and coming in after me like I know you're 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 being a creepy stalker guy and he's like it's not creepy to stalk you and uh, you know again a little insight into his mind he doesn't understand any social things he just doesn't no. understand them at all and and he doesn't understand how to deal with people in any kind of meaningful way he lives in a it's really fitting that the next episode, episode four, is going to be directed by Jody Hill. Yes. Because this is a TV show set deeply in the Jody Hill universe. Yes. Yeah. Of of guy toxically masculine guys who are profoundly insecure and don't understand how to connect with other people and become wildly alienating as a result. Yeah. This but is that's also the Jody Hill's thing. format. <laughs> this, is, this is the HBO format of TV shows. Well, that too, but I mean, like this, it's he's so because his interest in like being buff and like hair metal, yeah. this stuff is all really Jody Hill to me, and yes. that I think that Gunn recognizes that, and that's why Jody Hill's directing the next ep- the fourth episode. I think so, um, too. Yeah. and I think it just makes perfect sense because Peacemaker is, you know, he's had a couple of characters that are like. Similar, but Peacemaker is the closest to a foot fist way kind of a character that he's had yet. I yes, think. I agree. I agree. Well, since uh, uh, the specials, where Jamie Kennedy played a very similar character in the specials. Yeah, yeah. But I think that this is even because Jamie Kennedy's like a, a, a wimpier guy. Obviously, part yeah. of the joke of foot fist way, you know, is is what he looks like. But like, it, it's there's a more physical masculinity at play with these characters that Jody Hill does. They're all into karate and shit like yes, that. Yes, yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah. So he doesn't know how to deal with her, and so she leaves him, and he ends up locking eyes with a uh, what I believe that he later on calls a hard bodied slut. Uh, straight from 1987 yes. <laughs> she's got the hair she's yes. like like the second I, he, like not that he would clock this but the second that she showed up like she's obviously like there for him <laughs> like, right. there's no doubt about that but from their eyes locking we go to see that Leota is talking to her mom Amanda Waller about the mission and she's got a, a forged peacemaker diary that she's got to get into his uh, his trailer somehow yeah, Which it's a I'm pretty guessing, big reveal that. Well, it's a pretty big reveal that Leota is 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 the daughter of Amanda Waller. It's a pretty huge yes. reveal here. Yeah, and it gives yeah. a little bit more context to why this person who is not really part of the Black Ops world is on this team. But yes. it's like, so Amanda Waller is like trying to fuck Peacemaker, right? 
Well, it, it seems quite clear that after they kill the senator, they're going to pin it on Peacemaker, and the, the diary is filled with stuff about him wanting to kill the senator. That'd be mm-hmm. my guess. That makes his his diary has a Wayne Industries sticker on it. It does. It's got a lot of stickers on it. It's very it's very fun looking. It's uh, a very fun looking uh, diary. Amanda Waller gets Peacemaker. She gets him. Like that 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 is a a a, a diary made by somebody who understands that guy. Yes. Um, it's a really interesting reveal, though. Um, this is Peacemaker pulling a little bit of a lower decks. What do you mean? Well, when we discover, oh yes, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, is the daughter yeah. of the captain that yeah. like, and they're keeping it secret. It's not quite because this is much more. Um, there's something like much more nefarious going on here. Yeah, yeah, and, and and we know that apparently Leota is really good at this kind of stuff, but she doesn't like doing it. And this is her last job. They just need the money for to move to move. Yeah, yeah, to get situated and move. Yeah. So that's how that goes. And then we uh from there we get to see that uh Peacemaker has has slept with the or is sleeping he has sex with the the hard bodied slut and then starts going through her albums and enjoys them very much. It's great watching him go through all her hair metal albums, just be so excited. He's so excited. And he he uh I love when Sana picks up the vibrator and begins singing into it like it's a microphone. <laughs> what a fucking amazing moment. Just it's so pure, it's so innocent, and he's in his tidy whities. It's incredible. Yes. Yeah. And he is uh there is nothing to John Cena's body that is left to the imagination. You really get a feel for all of it. I really and, should have uh, in the um in the soundboard Patrick Stewart saying, Too late. I've seen everything. Yes, I've seen That's... everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, so he's dancing around, having fun, and all of a sudden, the hard body slut tries to kill him with a knife. She takes out a knife and tries to stab him, and they have quite the fight where she's throwing him through walls. He's naked, and uh, it's not going well at all. And then they, she, he jumps out the window after being stabbed multiple times and lands quite painfully on his shoulder, his bad shoulder that he was told to to take care of. Uh, and he runs to his car as she is chasing after him. He gets to the car, puts on his helmet, uses the sonic boom, and turns her into goo. I love when she's chasing him to the car. We know she look, looks around the parking lot and he's gone. Yeah. And like when she turns around the corner to the car and she sees the car, um, like in a different TV show, like the lights come on and the car yeah. barrels towards her. But we look at him and he's laying, he's laying, in, the, laying in the car on the ground, <laughs> trying to crawl into the car. It's yeah. like so funny. It's like so demeaning. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he kills her. Um, oh, he fucking and, melts her down. Yeah. He destroys a lot of stuff. He destroys his car as well by using the sonic boom of his helmet, which is really cool looking as well. I like that. It looks kind of like the quantum leap effect. It did, which is probably why I liked it. <laughs> and, uh, and that's the end of the episode. Him and Eagly. Eagly drops a dead possum in front of him and then snuggles up next to him. Yeah, that's cute because he dropped a dead possum to feed him. It's very sweet. It's a very yeah. sweet caretaking move. Yeah, that's very nice. And that is the end of episode one. So now we can go to episode two. What a really good uh, opening episode, I feel like. I agree. I agree. I, I think it really establishes all the characters and uh, – and what the basic like like because we don't we still know what the butterfly is, but this woman is definitely a meta, the, right? The hard body slut. She gives out an alien type scream. And right. She has like alien movements. She's alien obviously movements, super yeah. strong. Yeah. And uh, at this point, I thought it was going to be Durlins. That was my theory at this point. But what are Durlins to tell the people at home? Durlins are 
DC's famous shape-shifting aliens. And the sometimes scrolls. they're evil. Uh, yes, I'm, I don't know who came first. I want to say the Durlins came first, but I'm not sure. But uh, either way, they're, they're shape-shifting aliens. And in current day, in like the 20th century, 21st century, Durlins are usually evil. But in the 31st century with Legion of Superheroes, the Durlins are good. They've, they've turned to the side of good. So somewhere over a thousand years, they, they changed their ways. And so I thought it might be them. But it's not. The Durlins came out two years before the Skrulls. Well, there you go. I mean, shape-shifting aliens. I don't think that either of them did it first, right? But They're both green, though, right? No, Durlins are yellow. Or are they yellow? Okay. Yeah. And they have low antenna, which scrolls don't have antenna. As far no, as they I do know, not. scrolls don't have They yeah. do not. Yeah, they got big ears. And they got the weird chins. That Kirby chin. But anyway, I guess we're going to move to see, uh, episode two. What's that Best one friend? called? Best friend for for never. <laughs> Here we pick up right where we left off, and the police are coming. Uh, Peacemaker calls Harcourt, who is asleep in her bed, and tells her that he just got attacked by a meta. Which I love that he calls her a meta because that's a DC thing. They're not called superpowers; they're called meta powers. Yeah, I think that's really great, and that really is uh, James Gunn paying attention to what DC does and what makes DC feel well, separate it, from Marvel. To be clear, that was in the eighties; they used that a lot, so it was definitely showing up in in Ostrander's Suicide Squad a lot. These yeah, days, they even, don't use it as often, but still, even they still, though, excited. yeah, I just think it's like him understanding, like, how am I going to make this feel separate from the Marvel universe? Yeah, um, this is one of the ways I think. I'm watching this episode in particular. There was a couple of things that happened in this episode that made me feel like um, DC has the opportunity to come back from the hole they've dug themselves. And that opportunity is to just avoid any attempt to explain anything yeah, and to just throw in as much weird shit whenever possible all the time. I have often said DC's best stuff is when they just go full weird. That is DC's best stuff is – is the weirdness of the DC universe. And the more weird you get with it, the more I think audiences will be attracted to it. When you try to make DC real, I don't think it works at all. And when you're trying to like do the thing, like where you're building a foundation and then maybe growing weird from there, which is what Marvel did. I don't think you, I think it's too late for that in terms of the culture. I think that peacemaker has it right where it's like, here's a Tesseract room. Here's this, here's an alien. Here is Batmite and doll man. Like that feels correct to me. Look at Aquaman. Aquaman made a billion dollars by having here's crazy crab people and Aquaman's going to come riding in on a Kraken and it's gonna, there's a war between dolphin men and stuff. Like yeah. this is amazing. Like, yeah, yeah, just go, just be crazy. Have fun. Like really di- like just dig into what the universe is, you know, and have yeah. fun with it. But yeah. when you try and make it real, it just doesn't work. It just DC falls apart. Yeah, and this I think is the thing. I think that what they need to do is not worry anymore about like, okay, so there have been superheroes around for five years now. Just like they've just been around. Like just go with it. Like they've just yeah. been around. Like and people know about them. The end. Like just just yeah. just walk with it, man. Yeah, which I mean that's what they do on like uh, on Doom Patrol. Uh, superheroes have been around for decades on Doom Patrol. Right. Is how they handle that. I wouldn't know. I haven't watched it. It's a great show. You should really watch it. It's really good. I'm watching, I'm watching Survivor. Yeah, God, you, you got to watch all forty-two seasons of Survivor again. Can't can't not watch those again. I haven't watched all those seasons, and also my girlfriend's watching them, and uh, I just sit down every now and again and, and sit for a couple episodes. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, what happens in this episode of Peacemaker? All right. Well, we open up. Uh, P- 
Peacemaker is sitting there still. He's called uh, Harcourt, who was sleeping, told her he's been attacked by a meta, and he's got to go back to the meta's apartment to get his stuff because he left all the stuff up there, and the cops are coming. So Harcourt has to uh, get the crew together so they can go, go save Peacemaker while he runs around the apartment building for a while. And we get to meet uh, the cops, right? This is where we meet the cops. Well, yes. I think what's... Oh, no. Yeah, this is where we meet the cops is uh, Sophie Song and Larry Fitz Fitzgibbon. Are they, are they characters from the comics? I don't know. I don't recognize them. Their names. You know? So I don't... I, don't um, know. I like Peacemaker going around the apartment cleaning it up because the first thing he does is pick up a pair of panties. <laughs> Yeah, well, he picks up, sniffs them, and puts them into the sack that he's carrying with him. Such a so fucking he can creep. take them with him. Yes, he yeah. takes all of her fucking records and her CDs. Takes all of her records. <laughs> so good. It's so good. Yeah, and then yeah, he's running around the, the building trying to stay away from the cops as the cops are coming for him. While uh, 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 everyone's looking to pick him up to save him, right? It's uh, yeah, Leota and Harcourt are showing up, and he has to get out. Um, when they get there, they see that the place is surrounded and the cops are going around, so yeah. they tell him to go out the back. And he um goes upstairs and <laughs> he takes hostages. Uh, for one of my favorite sequences in this whole episode, what's great about the sequence is he starts off being kind of buddy buddy with the guy, where like. The guy's like scared because this naked man with a helmet just came into his apartment and is like, I, you know, hey, you got to help me out. I got, I need help. And then. No, he's not naked because we have a, we have a whole great sequence where he's trying to put his outfit on. That's right. Yeah. He's trying to put his outfit on. Yeah. Right. It's really and, great watching him try to put his fucking arm through the thing because yeah. it's that like, it's that weird, like rubbery material that yeah, he can't yeah. And it's so work. tight. It's so obviously tight and <laughs> uncomfortable. Yeah. But uh, they start to kind of connect. And then he, the, the guy's wife comes out and she's freaked out by what's happening until Peacemaker drops the albums and she sees that he likes Cinderella and they have a conversation about that. And she's instantly attracted to him, to Peacemaker, which I mean, he's a, massive muscular man. It's not surprising someone would be attracted to him. And, but he's also, he's starts flirting with her as well. He's kind of feeling it as he's trying to recognize the husband. I did not. Should I have? He is Molly Cobb's hippie. He's Molly Cobb's hippie husband from for all mankind. Really? Yeah. Wow. Look at that. He just keeps getting cucked. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't cuck him. Yes, she did. Where did she sleep with him? She goes back to her ex-husband. She leaves him. Wait, Molly Cobb? No. Doesn't she? No, Molly Cobb is the one that's going blind. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but she leaves him. She definitely leaves him. Uh, I think that he leaves her because she won't give it up. Right, it's a good thing. Uh, well, you know what? In, in our, <clears throat> in our uh, defense, uh, it is important to note that we are not doing a podcast about that um no. and it, although it's been like forever since that show's been on although quite quite frankly uh there are shows that we do podcasts about and then when we talk about the previous seasons we have no fucking clue what yes. the hell happened on them so yeah. really uh, you know it, yeah but everyone should watch for all mankind it's a great show let's keep that show it is a terrific fucking show yes but uh anyway so he is with them he's tying them up and, and he's while the police are in the building trying to find him they're going door to door looking for him and he's tying them up and hitting you on her. Recognize, you didn't recognize the wife either? 
I recognize her, but I, like she's been in a bunch of stuff. Like there's nothing, no one thing of hers. That, that she's I'm been like, in a ton oh, of things, but I thought that you might recognize her from her recurring role as Officer Lopez in Arrow. No, I didn't recognize her from that. She was on the V reboot too. I did not watch the V reboot. Me neither, man. I was very upset that they made them like monster looking instead of just like, like there's no way they could be in human looking suits and then break out and be like what they looked like on that show. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. This is also not her first DC other property because she was also in Superman Returns actor uncredited. Well, there you go. Good for her. And she was on Smallville as Duncan's nurse. You know what this means? They're going to have to like do a whole thing to explain how she's all over the place. You know, but she was also at home by Christmas as Hispanic woman. Really? Well, there you go. And on Painkiller Jane as woman. There you go. She's got a lot of woman roles, I guess. She's been, she's actually, she's also in Watchmen. Oh. The movie. Wait, she's then, a, okay. She's a, she's a, she's a newscaster. There you go. She did, she, she has been fucking working, by the way. Like she since works. 2006, yeah, she's been working. This also feels like a, a a part that I think should get her more meetings. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. she has like a, such yeah. a really great role, she pops. and yeah. it's very fearless because yes. of what happens later. And um, I think it's very, very. Hopefully, this is good for her career. Yes. Yeah. She she's great in the scene. That much I know. Uh, that's all I know. But uh, she's very good. And um, you keep throwing me off. Now I know what's up to be you. <laughs> Exactly. This is exactly what it's like. Like all of a sudden, like a tangent happens, and then you got to figure out where yep. you were. Now, do you so, see the other side of the recap guy life? I do. I do. So, anyway, uh, while they're going to get him, I like while, this while, side of the recap guy life, by the way. This yeah, is it's way easier side. on that side. It's way yeah, easier really. on that side. It's so much easier over here. Yeah. Yeah. Because you just got to jump in with jokes every now and again. It's way easier. Uh, while they're going to pick up Peacemaker, Harcourt uh, contacts Mern to let him know. Everything's gone bad. Peacemaker's killed a meta. He's caused a problem. There's a bunch of cops everywhere. So they're going to have to hide his connection to all of this, which then leads to Steve Agee doing computer stuff that we'll see what he does in a little bit. It's very exciting. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Harcourt and Leota show up, and uh, and the and Peacemaker is going to have to jump down the building to, to get to them, to the back of the building which is a series of him slipping and falling into different spots on the building. <laughs> the most painful looking stunt work I may have ever seen. Like, it's really wild how much this looks like it fucking hurts. None of it looked like it did not hurt. All of it, like, there's the one when he lands and then slides and falls on his back. And I was like, that's got to be CG, right? That can't be a person. That can't be no, a human No, it's a stunt, man. That's how stunt that men do it, baby. crazy. It looked so painful. It looked terrible to me. Like, it did not look fun. But uh, sure enough, he gets caught by the cops, uh, and then Harcourt knocks all the cops out, and they, they get away. They drive away after being shot at, at which point uh, our main cops, whose names I lost again. Where did they go? Where did they go? I love it. I Here love it. <clears throat> Sophia Song and Fitz, Fitz, Fitzgibbon are looking at the damaged stuff, and they're trying to figure out what happened. When one of the police officers picks up the pen and goes, I found some pizza. And they're like, no, that's a human face. <laughs> so, <laughs> which is wonderful. That I enjoyed greatly. And uh, they're pretty sure they, that it was Peacemaker because they saw his suit. And they're like, is Peacemaker out? Well, you think somebody would have told us about this? And they're like, they, they talk about Vigilante as well. Like Vigilante's been running around. Maybe it's him. They're not really sure. So uh, back at uh, Peacemaker's... Uh, 
Or do they go to Peacemaker's apartment? I don't know whose apartment they're in. Oh boy, the recap guy life is harder than you think it is. It seems oh, also, so easy. Also, let's not forget that at the the apartment where he was, he picked up a weird metal device. He doesn't know what. Yeah, it is. he picks up a weird router. It looks like yeah, it looks like an alien router. Yeah. Oh, uh, so anyway, okay, so uh, uh, Steve Ag, whatever his character's name is, him there, he reveals that he has made it so that everyone will think that the car belongs to uh, Peacemaker's dad. Which is and they're like, the worst why plan. the fuck would you do that? Like, <laughs> how is this any better? <laughs> yeah, and then he blames Mern for being in the bathroom and being. And he's like, I didn't know if you were taking a piss or shit. How long you would be? Mern's like, should I, that. should I text you? He doesn't <laughs> even say that. He goes, I didn't know if you were doing number one or number two. <laughs> Mern's like, should I text you when I got to take a shit? He's like, yes, I would appreciate it very much if you would do that. <laughs> which is great. So that leads the cops to go check in on Peacemaker's dad, who we see some of his racism here, where uh, he doesn't want to talk to Sophia because she is uh, Sophia Song because she is Asian. So I watching this scene, I was like, "Is the discourse going to be unbearable about this?" Well, the, the, because there's a scene after one that so I thought was racist. was going to really cause problems, and nobody's brought it up. When he calls Bloodsport the, the F the F slur. Yeah, yeah. I mean. It, I really was – I was watching this and I was like, is the discourse going to be unbearable? And he's obviously a bad guy. But I yeah. feel like in the modern world, that often is not enough. Like it's no. not enough that the character is a bad guy. People are no. like, why did you still have that character say that anyway? Yeah. And I was like, this exchange in particular, because it's a comedic exchange yeah, and because she doesn't get the better of him in it. Nope. She, in fact, he gets the better of her because yes. she says uh, – A fork. You know, she calls fork. him a fork. He calls yeah. her chopsticks and she calls him a fork. Yeah. And uh, it's like a very funny sequence. But I was like, oh, man, are people going to be mad about this? And I, I have not seen anything yet. So fingers nope. crossed. Nope. So, yeah, we'll see. It doesn't help that, you know, I also thought the peacemaker calling a woman he murdered a slut would be a problem. But nobody seems to mind that either. So we'll see. Which is funny because Gunn got a lot of blowback um, when Drax called – Gamora a whore. Yes. In the first Guardians. Yep. I think maybe people have figured out what Gunn does. I don't know. I wouldn't be so sure about that. I just think maybe people haven't watched it. Maybe this might be actually a problem in terms of maybe people not watching the show. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Although uh, James Gunn did say that uh, the Suicide Squad is the most viewed uh, DC thing on HBO Max. He did say nice. that over the weekend. Good to hear yeah, that. Because somebody, somebody was telling him that uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League is more popular. And he's like, no, it's not. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, no, that's not true. I don't know where you get your numbers from, but that's not true. All right, what happens so, next? Uh, so next they decide that they, they've got to get the – because our, uh, because now that they think that uh, Peacemaker's dad is the one behind it, they got to get the couple that Peacemaker took hostage – to also go along with the story. So they send uh, 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 Leota to go talk to them and bribe them, which she does quite easily by offering them a trip to Cancun, I believe. And he's like, the know, husband's like, like, are you trying to bribe us? And she goes, no. And he goes, uh, I was hoping you're trying to bribe us. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, well, I am. <laughs> yeah. Which is really good. Yeah. Uh, where are we? Where are we? God, where am I? 
Oh no, Derek! This is it. After a year and change, or more two years almost now. Uh, we're almost a hundred episodes of the Bad Batch. You know that? Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah, I know. We're very. But now you out. finally get to feel my pain. Yeah. Now everyone's gonna be like, "Don't do this next time." <laughs> <laughs> now I'll never have to do it again. Uh, so, so from here, I think we cut to the most important part of any of these three episodes, which is. Uh, Peacemaker is back at the headquarters, and Economos is is sewing him up, and they have a discussion that brings up Batmite, and that Batmite is real, and that is pretty exciting. Not just brings it up, but Economos explains Batmite, like fully yes, explains dimensional imp. Who's <laughs> yeah. a huge Batman which, fan? Yeah, yeah. Who's a huge Batman fan? To, to which Peacemaker says, "What is this world coming to?" <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Which uh, I made a Photoshop of, of the Ben Affleck Batman with Batmite. And uh, it, caught, it got retweeted a whole bunch. Oh, People nice. Nice. Yes. Congrats. You got a viral, yeah. son. I wouldn't say uh, viral, but it's uh, a, it's, I, I had it's to a, mute it. I was getting too many comments. Wow. But, yeah. People yelling at you? A few. Some people were like, this, this is a disgrace. Snyder <laughs> <laughs> would never but, let this happen. What a fucking what a fucking turn of events! Batmite is ca- now canon. Yep. Like what a fucking turn of events, and that's so exciting to me. And that's exactly what the DC movies should be. There's like should be no origins in the DC movies. You know what I mean? Like it just should be these characters popping up and being like, oh my god, it's so and so again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like oh, it's the Krypton Man again. Uh, the I mean, the Kryptonite Man again. You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. That's what the that's what the DC movies should be. That they should they should own the premise that they're an existing universe that we are visiting, as opposed to Marvel, where it's always introducing things and opening new doors and stuff like that. Yeah, um, I think DC should be like all the doors are open, like everything's possible. Yeah, I think that's when it works best, personally. But who's to say? Besides me. So anyway, uh, while he's while Economos is sewing him up, Peacemaker once again makes fun of his beard, which leads to Economos refusing to finish. Uh, sewing up his wounds. Yes, and and Peacemaker's very sad by that. He doesn't understand why why he would do that to him. Well, we come to understand. I mean, over the course of these three episodes, this is sort of a character thing for him. Is that we learn he's pushing people away. Yes, and he doesn't know how to connect with them, and he does these things that alienate them and push them away. And this yes. is just one more example of that. But this is now he goes home and cries. Right, and he lays in his bed and he starts crying, and he's clearly very upset that he killed Rick Flag, which I think is is a good little bit. And uh, and as he's crying, who should show up but Vigilante standing outside his window, which forces him to explain that he was not crying. He was doing face exercises, which can look like crying. And uh, based on Vigilante's mask, he knows that he doesn't do that because his mask is so thin. So, I love you get you get to understand Vigilante a lot in this one moment because he's like, you'll teach those to me, right? Like he he totally <laughs> buys it and then wants to do it. Yeah. Um, it is also they have a lengthy discussion about whether or not Vigilante's trying to make Peacemaker look at his dick, uh, which leads to a long conversation about who Lucy K is and, and what happened. It's like really like pretty long minutes of this. It's like goes on for so long. It's really long. It's I was really shocked at how much time they spent on that. It's like it's really? so fucking funny. It's so fucking funny. Now, Vigilante is a real DC character, a great DC character, a great DC character who I think it's important to note has very little to do with the character as seen on the television program. Peacemaker. I would say nothing to do with the character. They have the, they have really <laughs> similar perfect. costumes and they have the same yes. names. Yes, they and they both like killing people. 
Yes. Yeah. Where we're, uh, although this vigilante makes it very clear that he kills more white people than colored people. So he's not racist. You just said colored people. I cannot. That's what he says. That. That's what he says. <laughs> Uh, but uh, he is not racist. He does kill more white people. Uh, he does love killing people. Yes, he's like, he do you think it gives kill. me? And he does that great bit where he's talking about, do you think it, when somebody murders somebody, or when somebody steals something, or when somebody does graffiti, and then I have to kill them? <laughs> do you think that makes gives me pleasure? Well, it does. Well, it does. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And he also helps uh, clean up. Uh, peacemaker's apartment or uh, uh, whatever. And, it's uh, so it's important to note. I mean, before we go any further, um, this is Freddie Stroma is the actor. Yes, he he previously worked with um, our beloved John Krasinski in the motion. Oh, no, he worked in a different thirteen hours. Is this the same? No, he yeah he worked in the, the same thirteen hours. He oh, he's so in I, that. He must movie. be a real conservative, according to you. No, I think he was a working man because he also <laughs> was on a Lifetime TV show and is probably most well known as Cormac McLaggen in the Harry Potter movies. That's not a real name of a character. Come on, of course it is. It's a fucking total fucking J.K. Rowling name, Cormac McLaggen. He's in three Harry Potter movies. Oh well, I don't remember yeah. him. He is so unbelievably good in this. Yes. He is – it's crazy how good he is. Yeah, he's uh, extremely impressive. He's very, very good. He's really he funny. Um, and I think that there's like a really interesting thing to me uh, personally as as a, 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 a person that likes stories like this. Is there's a kind of a nerd that he is because he plays D&D and stuff like that. But he's not playing him like a simpering nerd ever. No, and I really no. appreciate that because there's a version of this where somebody plays him more like a simpering nerd or an incel, which is yeah. what he also – he is an incel, right? Um, but he's not like angry. Well, he's not an incel. Well, we do find out in an episode that he is not an incel. Yeah, but uh, yeah. right now it seems like he could reasonably be an incel based be, on yes. this. It and would his, not have been shocking if he was. Yeah. Right. And um, he uh, just Freddie Stroman is, I think, just really incredible. I think also he's in a mask almost all of the time, and his 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 physicality is so relentlessly funny. He's yes. always really funny, but he's funny in a way that he never makes vigilante not feel like a guy who could kill people. Yes, yeah, that's he hard does a really to do. Good job. Yeah, yeah, and I'm really really impressed by that. And also, just real quick, Chris Nolan. Uh, Take note of how you can make it sound like somebody's talking through a mask, but they're still legible. Like we can still understand them. There's some scenes where he's ADR'd. And he's ADR'd almost all the time, I imagine. But like, no, he's there's some scenes where it's. I think it sounds to me like audio on set, like set audio. And yeah. there are some times where it seems pretty ADR'd to me. Okay. Um, there's a couple but of times. Still, where you, I mean, that's the beauty of that's the magic yeah. of movies is you can that re-record is. the dialogue, especially if they got a mask over their face. Yeah, we can still understand them. That's the important thing. Yeah, exactly. But, but it still sounds like he's talking through a mask, which helps. You know. But uh, yeah, so they hang out and then they go and shoot up uh, appliances that he's been saving up for four years while Peacemaker's been in prison. I love this sequence. They just go out and bro out in the woods and blow up and shoot these appliances and they shoot <laughs> rockets at each other to make to make explosions they can jump away from. <laughs> yeah, they start throwing dynamite at each other. Yeah. So good. So good. Yeah, it's pretty great. They're really uh, good buddies. I, it's funny because obviously what's a really interesting um, element about this relationship is that Peacemaker doesn't quite take Vigilante seriously. 
and thinks that he's cooler than Vigilante, but yeah. at the same time likes having him around and feels very free to be himself around yes. this guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a really fascinating relationship where he definitely is the alpha out of the two of them. And uh, make clear in the third episode, by the end. Yeah. Yes. And it's just really, really delightful, I think, within um how they play these characters across. And it, Adrian is like a little pathetic, but like he's so good natured about it that it's hard to really feel that he's pathetic. Well, he's pathetic, and, but he's good natured. But he also, I mean, that bit that you said before where he's like, like, do I enjoy killing these people? Heck, yes, I do. And you can see in Peacemaker's mind being like, that's not something we should enjoy, though. Like, there's something wrong with us that we enjoy this. And right. Well, that's, that's the thing. Is that very interesting, too. That's very right. Funny. Vigilante really embraces it. And then Peacemaker forgets that he's trying not to embrace it once they begin blowing things up because he just loves yes. the blowing things up. Yeah. Yeah. But blowing things up and killing people, I think, are two different things. That could be the arc things. of the character in the show. That just because that he's not going to kill people anymore doesn't mean that he can't blow shit up real good. Yes. Yeah. There you go. That'll be fun. Uh, meanwhile, Leota is talking to her uh, wife, uh, Kia, uh, that they've got to kind of separate for a little while. They can't be in the same hotel because Harcourt explained to her that it's dangerous to have connections when you're on missions like this. So, and her wife does not take it well. But uh, they're going to make it work. And we'll get more on that a little later. Uh, and that is, uh, oh no, and then we cut back to Peacemaker and Vigilante, who are now in bed with Amber, the, the woman that uh, Peacemaker tied up earlier. And uh, they've all had sex, and now they're smoking some weed, which Vigilante, Vigilante will not do. So he's very it. upset about it. He's like, three years ago, I would have killed you both for this. <laughs> I would have shot you both in the face. Yeah, he's so <laughs> fucking funny. I love that they're laying naked in bed, but he's still got his mask on. He still got his mask on, which is great. Which is we had talked. We had talked recently about like um, we wish how much we wish that in these superhero shows the characters just wore their costumes all the time because it's yeah. just that that's a classic comic book stuff, and they do that in this. Like when they're hanging out at Peacemaker's trailer and Vigilante helping costume. clean up, yeah. they're in costume the whole time. Yeah, Peacemaker's it, just wearing his costume, laying on the couch. Yeah, yeah. It just it feels it feels so much better to me than putting them in some dumb civilian clothes you know what yeah. i mean like I, it just feels great to me like that's what i want to see and obviously it's a well, joke peacemaker here. showing up at the restaurant wearing everything is great you know it's like yeah this is who he is well obviously vigilante wearing his mask in bed is like a justice league international style joke yes. um but uh, like that that whole that that image of the three of them in bed if the sheets were up over her breasts that could have been uh a, a, a panel i think a boost like a really saucy booster and beetle panel. Yes. A very saucy. Do you know what, Richard Beetle a very panel. saucy. Like, like black canary. Yeah. yeah. But I think, but, I, but there's like something about that vibe of that. You know what I mean? That yeah. like, uh, the, 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 just the whole nature of it just felt very, uh, I don't know. I just, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I fully agree. But, uh, while they're laying there and vigilante is sad that, uh, marijuana is now legal because he can't kill people for it anymore. Uh, Peacemaker starts playing with the device he got from the woman's apartment, the, the alien woman, and it opens up and turns into a spaceship. Like a I was little, not expecting spaceship. that at all, that it would turn into a little tiny spaceship. No, no, that was very cool. I liked it. It was very Men in Black, I thought. It reminded me of Men in Black. It is very Men in Black, yeah. It's very, very Men in Black. But when I thought that that for sure, like my 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 initial guess was not Durlin's. My initial guess was that this device sends out a radio wave or whatever that takes over people. Yeah. And I thought maybe they're manhunters. 
Managers would have been interesting. Like being activated? Yeah. That and that's what I thought that device might be. That is not what they are. Um, but I th- that Manhunters was like my total guess the whole time. They beat Marvel to Secret Invasion? Yeah, that's the thing. Like for once DC could get there, and that's because James Gunn knew they were doing Secret Invasion over at Marvel. <laughs> so he would have been able to bring that information to them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I thought for sure it was going to be Manhunters. And then, but then it turns into a spaceship, and I was like, oh, my God, it's fucking Men in Black. Yep. I was very excited by that. Where's, where's Vincent D'Onofrio? He, maybe he'll show up. Maybe he's going to be in every show. He's in every superhero show now. <laughs> That's the deal. But, uh, and then we cut to prison where Peacemaker's father, Augie, is being put into a room, and he makes a guy get out of his spot, and he says, this is my spot from like 7 a.m. to 10 p.m., this is where I sit. And then a bunch of dudes come and kneel in front of him and give Nazi salutes and start. It, uh, it's not just a guy. It's not just a guy. It's a black guy. Yes. That feels really important to the whole thing because he's uh, quite obviously a fucking Nazi. And yeah. uh, so he's like hassling this black guy. It's not even clear if this is actually his spot. Like, you know what I mean? Like, well, it's definitely I mean, not because it's his first day there. Well, <laughs> maybe first day, not maybe, maybe not first day ever. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but anyway, the point is that it's very important. It's a black guy because Gunn is really doubling down on how truly racist this guy is. Yes. He is uh, very, very racist. And that is the end of the episode. Is all these guys praising White Dragon on their knees, giving Nazi salutes. And I imagine that's going to come into play later in the season. I imagine that this is part of the main storyline, yes. <laughs> or, or perhaps not because James Gunn has been dropping hints that this is uh, – that they're – they're gearing up to the second season. That would be incredible because Justice, sorry, the Suicide Squad. Um, I mean, I just, I'll just say it, it tanked. Yes, it tanks so fucking hard. It but, tanks but, so. But fucking again, hard. Gunn claims that it was the biggest DC thing on on HBO Max. I believe him, and that makes me really happy because I really yeah. like that movie. I do too. I love it. So, and it was very well reviewed, which is also very helpful for them. You know, so. And, and I mean, they did this show, and he also said he's got other shows in the works with them. So, I'm unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> what, a, what a time to be alive. What, what a coup for DC to get James Gunn when, uh, when Marvel dropped him for six months or however long that was before Marvel think, came back to their senses and were like, oh, this yeah. is a bad idea. I mean, there's like a universe where they, he, he never came back to Marvel and he's just running DC now. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be very interesting. And you know, because I do think he's the kind of guy that would understand that this does not work for every character. You know, right. you can't do Superman like this. You can't have Superman be this right. outlandish and crazy, like you know, with the language and nudity and whatnot. But who knows? Who knows? Uh, and now we move on to the third episode: Better Goff Dead. <laughs> so. These titles, these titles They're are so technically good. not not good, but I love them. They're so good. I love them. I love them. I'm always good for a pun. Uh, we open up at the headquarters as Peacemaker, Harcourt, and Leota, uh, and Economist, and Mern. Everybody's there. They're preparing for a stakeout. They're loading up the truck, and Vigilante is hiding behind a, a, a dumpster as they discuss humunculi. So fucking amazing. <laughs> this is where Doll Man comes in. Yep. Yep. Fucking doll man. Not even the Adam. Doll man. Doll man. That is wild. <laughs> doll man. Cannon. Batmite. Cannon. I mean. What earth man. is doll man from? Is doll man earth too? I mean, I don't. This is your general. My buddy Todd. Yeah. My buddy Todd would know for sure what earth doll man would be part of. He's a quality like... guy. He was not a DC guy. DC bought no, him. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I don't um, know what Earth he falls into. Although, I mean, well, Peacemaker's not Earth 2. He wouldn't have been Earth 2 back in the day either, so. Yeah, I don't really know. He was, um, oh, he was Earth 2 pre-crisis. Okay, there you go. Dollman was Earth 2, but he's now New Earth in post-crisis, yeah. and I don't know yeah, what he is now. Earth. I don't know what, yeah. Yeah, they're um, all New Earth now. Or now, now they're Earth Prime is the same. Earth Prime? Or Prime Earth. Sometimes it's Prime Earth, sometimes it's Earth Prime. Yeah, because we haven't even mentioned this, but Peacemaker is the character that the comedian in Watchmen is based on. Yes. Yep. It's pretty like, wild. And, and it makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, like when you watch this show, you can yeah. feel um, all of the layers of commentary on top of each other, yeah. um, all folding in on top of each other. Yeah. You Which know, I, really there's a part of me that wonders if at some point vigilante was going to be the question. If that had ever been thought of, like if you had considered that at some point, like to keep it with the Charlton characters or not. Interesting. That would have been interesting. Um, the question would be such a different character to use there though. Yes. But he's not using vigilante as how vigilante is in the comics anyway. No, I know. But the question though, I think James Gunn would not be able to avoid using the Randian aspects of the question. Yes. Because the question's an objectivist superhero, yeah. and I think that he would be a huge fucking asshole in James Gunn's hands. That's very true. That's very true. And I don't think he'd be delightful. Um, he made Vigilante delightful. I don't. I think that Gunn would not make the question delightful. I think Gunn no. would make the question unbearable. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I Which would be yeah. really interesting, and I would like to see him do that anyway. Do you know what I mean? That, but I do kind of like the – there's a lightness to this show that I really like, that even these characters who are awful are all very delightful. Yes. None of them are like grinding your teeth jerks or whatever. And that yeah. I think really goes – that goes so far for me. Like the closest to that is Economos and he keeps getting pushed back down. Like they keep right. slapping him back down every time he right. starts being like that. Right. And I, that, so that's the thing. So I think that's – he's made, he made a really specific decision on like sort of like what the tone of it was going to be. And I think that there's a, a very different version where the, the, the question shows up and, and – and, is giving a really hard time to everybody. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I love, I love this use of, I, I would like to see a real vigilante story done. Um, you, you recap vigilante previously on our last episode of the bad batch, which is that in the long Marv Wolfman story, uh, the, the long run he had vigilante. It's, it's three is, writers altogether. Actually. Uh, well, so Vigilante basically goes from a guy who is like a Punisher type um, to begin to realize that he is in fact committing crimes by killing people and then to realize that he is in fact really awful and to have like a lot of things and then kill himself. So yes. uh, it's a pretty wild fucking storyline. It's, it's not really like a really wild story. It's not like a planned storyline, but. No, no, but but it's a very interesting story. And the, the pieces of it are there early on where I do think Marv Wolfman early on was commenting on Punisher and the, the rising popularity of Punisher and being like, this is a problem. The guys, this is not going to work out well. But who knows? Maybe it wasn't. I don't know because I remember buying that comic. It was a Baxter paper comic. Yes. And uh, uh, not really getting – maybe I was just a young person. Uh, he was he was introduced so early. Although, you know, he is has the same fucking origin as the Punisher, so it's hard to say. Yeah. yeah. Because there's another vigilante. There's like a, there's a Western vigilante before that. Yeah, there's like the this, classic and, vigilante from the yeah. Golden Age. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, who so, shows up in Justice League Unlimited? Uh, this vigilante, Adrian Chase, was introduced in Titans um, and then spun off into his own title. Yeah. Uh, I tweeted that this is the first TV superhero TV show that feels like it's printed on Baxter paper. Yes, and I think I think that's maybe the smartest thing I've ever said. <laughs> Which led to me and my buddy Todd researching to find out what was the first comic uh, published on Baxter paper. Was it Titans? 
No, it was not. It was Camelot 3000 or Camel, no, yeah, Camelot 3000. Camelot 3000, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. That makes and sense. And then like Titans like a year later or two years yeah. later. Yeah. God, that was great. For those paper. at home who don't know what Baxter paper is, there was a it was a thicker stock paper in the 1980s that was used for – I don't want to say prestige comics, but it was used for adult comics by DC yeah. um, or comics that had like more adulty themes um, so that you would – I think the premise was that they wanted to make comics that like adults could buy and not feel like – because comic book paper is like newsprint paper essentially. Yeah, and back then, yeah. Like, that's what it, it, it wouldn't feel newsprint. like cheap – it wouldn't feel like cheap comic book paper. Yeah. And so that it might feel a bit more elevated to yeah. – with the aging audience. It was trying to make it classier for the aging audience. Also, Baxter paper held color better. They could do better colors and stuff like that. It was a, it yeah. was a real improvement. I really like Baxter paper. But Nobody then, uses uh, it anymore. Dark Knight Returns was not on Baxter paper, which is interesting. Yeah, well, that was like square bound. It was like a whole different printing yeah, process. Different they were format. playing with all these printing processes at the time. Yeah. yeah. What's it called? Was right? It wasn't I think Killing Joke is Baxter paper? I, I don't remember. I haven't held an original copy of Killing Joke in a long time. Neither have I. I mean, the only reason I know Dark Knight Returns is because I have first printings of those. Oh, look at you. Our father gave them to me. They're his. Who? Our father, who art in heaven. How did he have Dark Knight Returns? He bought them when they came out. Yeah. All right. You read about it in the Times or whatever. It's like, oh, I got to check it out. I'm, you know, let's not forget our They're really first printings? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. What's happening on Peacemaker? All right. Uh, so they're packing up and they're talking about homunculi. And then uh, Vigilante comes out and he wants to hang out with them, but they won't let him. And there's a conversation about whether or not he's the therapist, which I greatly enjoyed. <laughs> And then right. Economos is like, hey, isn't that guy wanted on multiple murder charges? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Monero's like, yeah, but we don't have time for that right now. <laughs> we got other stuff we got to do. So they move on. They get into the truck to head off to go and face off against the senator that they're going to have to kill, Goff. And this is where they break down to Peacemaker that he might also have to kill the senator's wife and children. Right. And Peacemaker's very uncomfortable with this because one kid is attractive. The other one is not attractive. So he's okay with killing the unattractive kid. But he's not. He has a whole conversation about butt babies. About butt babies and how he thought he was a butt baby until he was 14 because his older brother told (laughs) him he was a butt baby. Is that setting something up? The older brother? Or the butt baby? Yeah, that's the setting. The older brother. Is that setting up another character to show up and do. um, There's got to be. Right? I mean, I don't see Gunn dropping in, by the way, of an older brother and having his father be a part of the story and not having the brother pop in in some way. Right? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, you know, that's my feeling on it. Anyway, as they're going through the files and uh, Leota is showing the files on her Apple, uh, on her uh, her MacBook, uh, a, a vagina shows up on <laughs> the screen. And they're all very surprised by this. And it is Leota's wife. <laughs> it's her vagina, as we learn. And this gives they're sending DC. News. They're sending news back and forth because they're, they're separated during all of this. And they're trying ways to keep things fresh which is a very healthy thing for a relationship, but you probably shouldn't show it to a uh, peacemaker. That would, that may not be the best idea or the rest of your team. Um, Do not show it at work, but yes, yeah, what's app just puts it on the screen. Doesn't even yeah. ask her for permission. Yeah. And uh, this now gives DC another one up on Marvel and that DC movies have now shown two penises and one vagina. So good for them. <laughs> you know, Good for them. Yeah. Catch up, Marvel. Where you at? Uh, but uh, they get back on track and they 
get to the senator's house where we get to see the senator with his family and they seem like a nice normal family until they get into the house away from their bodyguard. There are two bodyguards, one normal bodyguard and the other one judo master who Peacemaker is very excited about because he's so small. He's like, what's he going to protect him from? Uh, lucky Clovers, <laughs> right? Isn't that what he says? Shooting stars at Lucky Clovers? Yeah, exactly. He, yeah. he does the uh, the leprechaun thing. The leprechaun because he's wearing all green and he's short. And uh, But once the, the family gets into the house away from their bodyguards, they suddenly get real weird and creepy. They walk around like zombies almost. And so they know something's up, but he couldn't get a shot. That was the whole goal was to shoot them, and he could not, which leads to a long all-night, in theory, discussion about Berenstain Bears versus uh, Berenstain Bears, which is uh, the one gag I did not like in the, in the episode. Didn't like it. Uh, I want to talk about Judo Master a little bit. Well, should we wait till we get to Judo Master doing stuff? or I, mean, I don't know. I want to talk about Judo Master's origin, like his, like, okay. his, his story in the comics, because it's so fucking racist, it's like next level. Yes. Uh, which is like crazy, like because like the character's Judo Master, he's introduced in the 60s, um, and like you just think that it would just be like a guy who knows Judo. Like why not just yep. have that be the origin? But no, 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 no. In the 60s, we needed to make it doubly racist. And so he was a World War II soldier um, who uh, – <laughs> who rescued the daughter of a of a chief from a pacific island some like native tribe and the he was taught judo in return for saving the daughter that's his superhero origin he's a white yes. savior who is then appropriates judo which i don't even know if that's even the correct martial art for the for the pacific island that he was even on and, and, and i believe his original costume has the japanese sun on it Right, the yeah, yeah, he's all yeah. over the place, and he's a white guy though. Like yes. it's like really crazy. There eventually ends up being a Japanese judo master. I think that's the current version. Yeah, I, I think, think that's post crisis. I think. Is when they switched um, it. But like that is uh, really crazy. Um, and the other thing is that um, I think pre crisis. I think I honestly don't know this stuff, but I knew this um, judo master is openly gay. There's a there's an openly gay judo He's master definitely post crisis because is this post crisis they the would have done pre crisis the first openly gay character in DC is Pied Piper and that was in ninety one and that's post crisis that's post crisis no that's not the first openly gay character no in DC no in, not not in DC yes it is it's not yes it is it definitely is not in in the DC universe yes yeah no who the gay ghost. Gay Ghost is not gay. I know, but his name is the Gay Ghost. He's yes, openly gay. Okay. He is right. the first openly gay character. I guess he could be gay. The gay yeah. ghost. They, they've never officially said he was gay. They, he was the happy ghost. I think he's the, the happy yeah. ghost. I think just the yeah. nature of language has changed around him. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he has shown up, hasn't he, recently? I don't How think he's he shown up? up. I don't think he's shown up since uh, Animal Man, since Alan Moore or uh, Grant Morrison was writing Animal Man. Um, but, uh, yeah, so there's a version of judo master who, um, works with checkmate who is openly gay. Yes. Okay. Well, so gun seems to be pulling a lot of these characters from checkmate, suicide squad, peacemaker adjacent worlds. Yes. He's not pulling from way outside of those. No, no. He's staying within his lane of what suicide squad would play around in the, that yeah. universe. Yeah. It's kind of Which interesting. Which is why I thought it might be Mr. Terrific. Yeah. No, I that's still good. Once you explain that, that made a lot of sense. Yeah. Mr. Yeah, Terrific has a dumb name, right? So that they probably would change that name. Or maybe he has – that's actually I maybe his, his real name. name. I love his name. It's like T.R. Morrow, right? No, T.R. Morrow is a oh, the, super villain. Okay. 
right. What's, no, what's, what's Mr. Terrific's real name? I don't know what Mr. Terrific's real name is. It's not, it's not a stupid name. I thought he had a silly name. We're going to have to look. Here it is, the I'm middle-aged man right Googling. Michael Holt. It does sound like a name that you would give as a um, prank phone call. I guess. I'm looking for Mike Holt. Mike Holt. Does anybody have Mike Holt here? I mean, Mike that's Holt. not really as a word because you want Michael Hunt is the better version yeah. of that. Or Michael Hawk. That's a harder one to get across. Mike that, Hunt. That's the, the second uh, Mr. Terry Trevor Sloan. Is. Terry Sloan is the first one? Okay. Um. Yeah, I mean, he He's could be. He's got a great costume. I love his costume. I don't see this guy wearing a fair play on his chest, though. No, neither do I, but I love it. Um. But uh, Clem- Clemson Mern is a real weird fucking name, so I really it am is. curious if that's going to end up meaning something. I don't know. I, I would think it will. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, he's Gunn's not afraid to create new characters if if he's right. just like, I, and I want to put in something like this. So you never know, you know. And I, I don't think he's ever done the hiding a character thing, has he? There's no no time like the present. That's true. I mean, technically he has because he did um, Ego the Living Planet. When I went on the set of Guardians of the Galaxy 2, they never called him Ego. They called him Jason, J-apostrophe-S-O-N, okay. who okay. is a character from Marvel. Yeah. And they were like, oh, uh, Star-Lord's dad is Jason. And, um, but then Which is, I, I think his dad in the comics, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, but then I, I saw some concept art while I was on set and I was like, why is this giant planet here? Uh, and I said, <laughs> I think that his dad is Eagle the living planet. And they were like, gosh, I don't know about that. His name is D- Jason. Hey, why don't you and, shut the fuck up? <laughs> and then I had to interview Kurt Russell and like, be like, so you're Jason. How does that, how does that impact your ego? And he was like, <laughs> ho, 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 ho. No, so, there you go. That's fun. Anyway, so uh, they're hanging out, waiting for a moment to get a shot, and uh, discussing uh, Berenstein Bears, Berenstein Bears, and sharing trail mix that uh, Peacemaker very carefully takes out the empty calories. <laughs> Love that. Before he eats it. Yep. Yep. I really like that a lot. And then, sure enough, Vigilante shows up. He's in the woods. He's just he shows up. Like a bush. And he's t- and then he pretends he pretends he's not really there. It's like a fucking three amigos moment. She's like, "What is this? A talking bush?" <laughs> it's so great. It's so good. But he's there, and now they know it. And just as he shows up, the family is waking up for breakfast, and their breakfast seems to be some kind of. They say it looks like honey. I didn't think it looked like honey, but that's what they say. But uh, okay. it's definitely some kind of goo. And then giant tongues come out of their mouths. Uh, proboscis, I think that's called, right? The, the, like, sure does. Yeah, that would be a proboscis. I think that probably, yeah. I think it'd probably be called proboscis. If I had to guess on the grammar of that, but I, I don't know. I'm amazed I got even close. But uh, and that's when they're positive. They're like, okay, you have to kill the kids too. And Peacemaker struggles. He can't pull the trigger. He can't do it. And Vigilante takes over. And kind of a very sweet moment. Where he's like, hey, buddy. Why don't, you, why don't you move over a little bit? Let me handle this for you. It's really sweet. It's like really loving. It's like incredible. This is the this is the gun magic, right? Like James Gunn's magic is to take things that are absurd or like offensive and then on a dime make them really uh, heartbreaking and really sweet. Like he's yeah. really, really good at that. He's great at that. He's great at that. And uh, instantly uh, Vigilante kills Mama, Mama Bear, and then he kills the son and then the daughter – or maybe the dog and the son, either way. But then as he's about to shoot the senator, uh, Judo Master pops out and beats the crap out of everybody in an amazing fight. So I thought it was really interesting. I was, I'm going to tell you my one disappointment. Okay. When 
I think he is when he shoots the mother, she is lined up with the father. And I kind of wanted to see them both take a bullet, one bullet. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I know the father was was going to have the thing, but I thought that had been really cool. Like that would have been like really, really cool. I think. Um, Yeah. But you know what? James Gunn's a genius. So if he doesn't want to do one bullet, two heads, I get it. Hey man. Yeah. I'm not going to argue with him. He knows what he's doing. Uh, Fucking judo master beats the shit out of them Just to the point where, them. to the point where, vigilante's like, okay, okay, hold on, I got, I got, I got, I got to go. You win, you win. I got to go. Yeah, He's like, good, good fight, fair fight. I got to go though. <laughs> so fucking yeah. funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's this whole feeling that these guys are all fourteen years old. That's really the thing. That's that's the, that's what a fourteen year old kid says. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. it's really incredible. Yeah, which again, the specials. There's a lot of the specials in this. I, I felt like, which if you if you've never seen the specials, it's a movie that James Gunn wrote. I think it, it's not his first movie that he wrote because he wrote Suffered Trauma before that. But uh, it's a movie about the seventh or eighth best superhero team in the world called the Specials, and it's got Rob Lowe and uh, Thomas Hayden Church and Jamie Kennedy, and it's very funny. I love that movie. It's directed by the guy that created the Chernobyl. Miniseries. Yes, that's right. The guy created the Chernobyl miniseries directed it. Yeah. It's funny because Craig Mazin, Chernobyl is like one of the great works, I think, of like short TV storytelling. Yeah. It's like an incredible, it's an unbelievable miniseries. It's just, it's brilliant. He also did like Scary Movie 3 and Superhero Movie. Like he really made some real shit. Like yeah. real specials is not real shit. Specials is very good. Uh, it was just too early. Specials was like um same as Mystery Men. Came out Mystery Men. They were just too early. Yeah. There's these were guys that were into this stuff, but like the rest of the world wasn't ready for it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Which is too bad. But uh yeah, go watch specials. It's really good. Anyway, so uh, Judo Master beats them up, knocks them all out, and then I also like that. Like Peacemaker's knocked out almost instantly in this fight. Like he's out almost before anybody else, which is very interesting. Oh yeah, he's taken right out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, Economos is tasked with making sure that Peacemaker that that uh, no one gets away. And he's sitting in the van, and he's like, "What am I supposed to?" Everyone else leaves, and he's like, "What am I supposed to do?" Like, what, what do I do if somebody tries to leave? Like, what what am I going to do? And at the same time, somehow, uh, everybody and uh, Peacemaker and uh, Vigilante end up in a secret cave under the house. And uh, that's all alien looking, and they're all tied up. And P- and Goff, the senator, tells Peacemaker or tells Judo Master to go tell the others. And Judo Master goes running through some caves. He goes through this little tunnel that's just the right height for him. Just, just perfect for him. It's wonderful. It's this little tiny tunnel. Oh, wait, I skipped some. I skipped the great. They killed the yeah. They the killed Cheetos. the, uh, the was, yeah. There's the Cheetos. And they kill the bodyguard. Yes, they kill. They kill the bodyguard. Or, uh, Harcourt kills the bodyguard, right? And then he uh, begs. He's like, he's like, I have kids. I have family. Which, and, which, if like me, you're a fan of the show Psych, you might recognize the bodyguard. He is a he's a regular character on Psych. Or no was character. Yeah. He was a, a police officer. Um, Judo Master is played by a guy. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take your role here uh, of not getting somebody's name right and getting in trouble. Uh, Nut Le. I'm assuming. I, I'm guessing he's Vietnamese. It's something yeah. similar to that. Uh, I apologize to him because he is so fucking good in this. He's amazing. He's so fucking. His physicality is incredible. Like he's just really, like really amazing. Oh, it's it's uh, he, right here on his Instagram. It says Nule. So that's the thing. Okay. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not no, no, like okay. I looked it up. 
Okay. I'm going to get an email from one particular follower who gets uh, right correctly irritated when we fuck these things up. Um, but his physicality is incredible, but also his attitude is like fucking next level. He yes. has just the best bitchy attitude. I love well, it. Well, it's great when, when Peacemaker is like, like I'm going to – I'm going to use you as my, like, I'm going to save you in case I tear Achilles heel and then you'll just be my Achilles heel. And he's doing all, he's like, big man, big man, talking, talking tough. Remember when I beat you up? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's real good. And I love because they're going back and forth and then Peacemaker's like, what do you got? You got Flaming Hot Cheetos? He's like, yeah. James Gunn said that he cast this guy partially because what he really wanted to see was a little guy beat up two big guys. Yeah, and well. it was delightful. It's delightful to watch happen. And yeah. uh, he's just really, really terrific. It's not the classic Judo Master costume, but I think it feels... I, I don't like the costume, personally. I don't like it that much, but it feels like a costume from DC Comics, frankly. It's it just it's all one color. I, I'm never a fan of one-color costumes, is my thing. It's like, well... Yeah, no, I get that. It's just green. But, but there's something about the design of it that it feels like a real DC costume to me. Yes, it does. I, I, I mean, it, yeah, yeah. It, it, like, it does not pop out as like, this doesn't fit the universe. Right, or not in the universe, not, not in the DCEU, but it feels like, I was like, is this a, an iteration of the costume that this character had one time that I just don't, I'm not familiar with? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, because it, it, it really, I don't know how to best describe what it is about it but the way that the helmet works and stuff like that it just feels like a real 1980s dc comics it does yeah uh, costume yeah it's the armbands but like his arms are also exposed he's wearing like a yeah it's stuff know. like that yeah that's exactly what it is it really yeah. does have those elements um yeah because the arm exposed with the armbands and then yeah it really does yeah yeah it looks good except for the color could use more color would like mm-hmm. to see a pop of color yeah yeah but uh Anyway, you know, Judo Master hits Peacemaker with, with some Cheetos, which leads to the question, what's in, what do they make Cheetos out of? <laughs> he does a good kick with one of the Cheetos to his face. He does a kick right into his face. It's so good. It's so good. And then he runs off. And then Goff comes out and tells him to go warn everybody, and he runs off, which leads to Economos having to chase after him in, in a, a little car chase and whatnot. Uh, meanwhile, Goff is torturing uh, Vigilante to get information from Peacema- Peacemaker. And Peacemaker <laughs> is like, just do it. I love it. I love what you're doing. And, and Vigilante's like, can, can you just tell him something? <laughs> like, he, puts, he puts jumper cables on Vigilante's nuts and yep. <laughs> starts electrocuting him. Uh, uh, this guy sells it, man. He really sells yes. it. It's really yeah. good. And Peacemaker's just like, is that all you got? Is that, yeah. is that it? Is that what you're going to do? <laughs> he also, he, he takes Vigilante's masks off, mask off and Vigilante starts contorting his face constantly so that nobody could, can point him out in a, in a lineup. This <laughs> is one of my favorite. That's a Superman joke. Is it? There's a Silver Age story where somebody explains, or Superman explains, that he's co- constantly contorting his face at super speed so that nobody can take a picture of him and identify him as Clark Kent. Well, that, that's that's older than a Superman joke. That's a Jay Garrick Golden Age joke. Jay Garrick did that in the Golden Age too? He, he's constantly vibrating his, his face so that people can't see his, his face. Incredible. So yeah. this is James Gunn pulling into the deep history of absurd comic books. I thought it was because it connects later to other things they talked about, just things he read on the internet was the idea. Because he also says that you can't stand without a pinky toe. 
Well, yeah, no, no, that too. I think he does these jokes, but that felt to me like a real fucking silver golden age joke. Like, like, yeah. like, cause I, that is definitely a thing they've explained in, in certain silver age stories, why you can take pictures of Superman and nobody ever realizes it is Clark Kent. Yeah. Um, okay. And that's like one of the explanations they came up with. Clark Kent, he's always moving his face at super speed. And I didn't know that was a Jay Garrick thing, but that's also yeah. a Jay Garrick yeah, thing. He, I guess. Vib- he vibrates his face so that people can't recognize him. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I always like the same as how Barry really- Allen vibrates his vocal cord so that people won't recognize his voice. James got a real one. Yes, he, he knows his stuff. There's no, there's no arguing that. But anyway, as they're being, as, as vigilantes being tortured, Harcourt uh, and the gang are upstairs trying to get, trying to find them, and they figure out that they're underground, and then find a like a secret door that is blocked by some kind of rock shield like see-through rock shield i don't know what it's it not is. a rock shield it's a it's a chitinous thing it's 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 yeah. it's a it's a sphincter it's a chitinous sphincter that's obviously created by insects yeah yeah so it's some kind of alien insectoid thing yes and uh they're up there and then they pull out some fancy uh argus tech which i was very excited to hear argus uh well, they said argus before in these haven't they or no i don't think so no not, that I, not, that I not in the show but i thought in suicide squad Maybe I don't remember, but uh, where is it? Why is it in my notes? Oh boy! Oh, here. Uh, yeah, Mern pulls out the the stuff and he gives it to Leota, and he's like, "Just stick it on, and we'll be able to blow it up." And she licks it for, for some so funny, and finds it quite disgusting. And so, they're like, yeah. "Why would you lick it?" She's like, "I thought it was like an envelope." We're like, "No, it's an adhesive. Just put it on. And that's it." Which is great. Which I also wonder if that's why it doesn't work right away. Is that her saliva is blocking it? In some I was wondering that too. That she had like fucked it up. Yeah, yeah. But uh, sure enough, sooner you know, the, uh, as that's happening, Economos uh, smashes into Judo Master's car. Judo Master listening to some K-pop, by the way, and. Uh, <laughs> Smashing the Judo Master's car, and Judo Master is crawling away. He's badly injured, crawling away. When Economos comes up and beats him with a crowbar until he's unconscious. So, I, well, I wasn't clear if he was dead or unconscious, but James Gunn has said that the character shows up later on in the series that he well, loves this actor the, so much. In the uh, after the credits in the late continuing the season in Peacemaker, they you see him in there. So, yes, yeah, right, yeah, but yeah, but it does at the moment seem like he might be dead. But, yeah, it uh, definitely is shot in the Economos just busted this guy's skull wide open yeah. and his brains just spilled out. Yeah, and he's pretty excited about it. And uh, meanwhile, Goff is cutting off Vigilante's pinky toe. With to a very dull blade. Very dull blade. It's really gross. It's really quite surprising. Quite violent. And uh, and as that he's doing that, the, the, the chrysalis explodes upstairs. They, the bomb finally works. And that frees Peacemaker, who is almost freed himself. At which point, he takes out a shot. He pulls out a shotgun from somewhere. It's just a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't remember what he says to Goff, but he's got a good little line, a good little like, like pieces of bitch or whatever. And then shoots Goff right in the face. And then a uh, butterfly flies out of Goff's butt. He really blows his face off too. Yeah, yeah. He blows his face off all the way. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's pretty. Um, it's, it's not quite as Pete Davidson of a yes. moment but it's it's up there uh it's worth noting that james gunn did a q a on twitter this weekend and said that there is um just blood on the toe that's all there is really there's it no looks gore so much worse. 
thing. It's just blood on the toe. But it like you shoot so it, so much worse. I think it's the pinky toe itself is weird looking anyway, yeah. and then you put blood on it. And I think your brain fills in a lot of gaps. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty gross looking. So maybe vigilantes just got gross feet. But anyway, <laughs> uh, a butterfly flies out of golf. At which point, Peacemaker goes. Oh, Project Butterfly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then uh, Harcourt and Mern and Leona come downstairs to see them down there. And uh, But before they get down there, Vigilante gets his mask back on because he's very worried about that. And uh, now we know why the aliens are called butterflies and they get back in the van. And that's the end of the episode. Well, in the oh, van, oh, and, and the then screen. we see yeah, the screen of all the butterflies and they're all over the world. And there's a lot of them. There's a whole lot of them. Yeah, and so that's sort of why they did the first three, because at the end yeah. of three, we now have the actual mission stakes given to us. Yeah. All right, that's three episodes of Peacemaker. We did we did that in um, an hour and a half. That's pretty good, frankly. Yeah, well, we still got to discuss what we thought of it. I know, we still thought about it, thought about it but if this had been a movie on Watchmen, we would still be discussing... Um, Peacemaker. <laughs> we'd be discussing Peacemaker or trying to figure out whether we should recap it or go character by character. Yes, yeah. Traditionally <laughs> in Watchmen, the hour and a half moment, we're like, should we just go character by character? Well, it was about 45 uh, minutes is when we go, maybe we should go character by character. Uh, so, can I go first? Yeah. I fucking love this show, man. Yeah. I loved it. I mean, there was nothing that I did not like in these three episodes. I don't have a, like you, I grew up reading vigilante comics. I really liked vigilante comics in the eighties. I really enjoyed those books, but I am not one of these baby men that's so attached to these characters. Like, I don't mind if you do something cool or funny with the character. I think if you do something dumb with the character, I'm going to get mad. Do you know what I mean? Like if you make Superman a murderer, I'm going to go, Oh, you really, what are you fucking doing? Yeah. But if you're going to do like a Superman Superman, was evil, it's like, right. If you're going to do something funny with Superman, I'm, yeah. I'm along for the ride. And I think that this is such a minor character in this scheme of things. There's a lot of space to do fun things with him. And I think that this is a really good reinvention of the character. Um, I think that well, this iteration of Peacemaker is really great too. Here's the thing on it. And this is something I think James Gunn gets that a lot of other filmmakers – because James Gunn clearly comes from these things with a place of love for these characters. He did it with Guardians of the Galaxy. He, did, right. he does it with this. And it, it's a matter of – yeah, Vigilante, and this is not like Vigilante in the comics, but they have the same through line. He murders anyone committing crimes, and he he enjoys it. And perhaps at some point, Vigilante in the show will realize that that's a problem with him. I don't think so. I think he's just a maniac. I don't think so either. They have a conversation about, like, you know, does that make me sound like a maniac? And it's like, yeah. yes, it, it definitely makes yeah. you sound like a maniac, yes. But um, who knows? I mean, we, we don't know how long this is going to go for. You know what gun has planned, but I mean, Peacemaker is definitely realizing that his entire thing about kill anyone, man, woman, or child for peace is not. He doesn't feel that way anymore. He's changing right. the, the killing of uh, of, uh, of what's his face from Suicide Squad, Rick Flag. Rick Flag has affected him greatly, and yeah, I mean, I think that. As you say, Gunn approaches these characters from a place of love, not just of the original characters, but also of the characters that he's writing. That's, yeah. I think, the other piece of it. He's not making fun of Vigilante. Vigilante is funny, yes. but he's also sad and weird in a yeah. relatable way. Yeah. And, um, and, and there's, there's an interesting bit, too, that tells us a little bit about his past, where uh, somebody says like, like to Vigilante, maybe I'll just go and kill your family. He's like, too late. <laughs> it's like, oh, his family's dead. Someone murdered his family. 
Which well, is that what is his, in the comics. Yeah, that's his origin in the comics. He has yeah. the Punisher origin. He's yeah. a DA in the comics and a mobster kills his family. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, it's, you know, uh, it is, this version of Vigilante is a lot of fun. I think it's really crazy that the costume is so accurate. It is crazy accurate, except for he's, the, he's just not a yellow belt. That's the only thing that's yeah. missing. Yeah. yeah, it's like really wild they went that accurate with the costume. But it's a great I costume. Mean, so I, I Peacemaker's costume is comic accurate as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Um, but uh, I just loved every bit of this. I think that this team is really great. These actors really work well together. I enjoy watching them bounce off of each other. And I, um, we talked about this on the Bad Batch, but like this came out the same week as a Robert Rodriguez directed episode of the Book of Boba Fett, and like the the Judo Master fight. I mean, like, it's not even close to being in the same universe as no. what's in Book of Boba Fett. There's garbage on that show. Yeah. The action on this is, like, fucking terrific. Yeah. Yeah. The the fight and in the first episode is great. The fight in the third episode is great. Yeah. It's crazy because Gunn is such a great filmmaker that he understands when to make the action be funny, when to make the action hurt, when to make the action, like, make you a little bit nervous and tense. Like, he really is able to do that. He is a master of the tones. And he yeah. is – it's pretty incredible to watch him operate like in this style over the course of long form storytelling. Yes, I agree. Uh, you know, this is a whole motion pictures worth of stuff in these three episodes. Yes. Yeah. And um, he manages to create such an incredible amount of tonal variance that feels really natural and really good and really delightful. Um, you know, I, I, I do wonder how the DC hardcore Snyder people are taking this. I can't imagine Not well. well. Not well. Because there's no oh, fun in their stuff. It's a hard weekend for them. It's a hard weekend. Very hard for them. It's very hard. Yeah. He uh but this is this show is so excellent. I'm very curious what the butterflies are. Like we have both had our own theories and then they were revealed and we still don't know what they are. Still don't know what they are. I, I guess they could still be manhunters in some fashion, right? I, who knows? I can't imagine you'd do manhunters with the You go that far with it, yeah. My, my latest theory is that it's the insect queen. That's my new theory. Is that, Which, a, uh, is that a character that is uh, adjacent to Suicide Squad? It's a character that's very weird because the original Insect Queen was Lana Lang in the right. pre-crisis years. And then post-crisis, they were like, well, we're not going to use Lana Lang as uh, Insect Queen, but we'll still have an Insect Queen. It'll be somebody else. And they just made her like a villain because Lana Lang was like, a, I think, a hero as Insect Queen. And then they made a new one that's a villain that, that like is part insect and controls insects, people, and stuff. So... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how often that character shows up in the comics, but uh, that's my ongoing theory at this point. Since I'm pretty sure that, it's not Durland. That could work. I mean, I do, but it's not a character that is a Suicide Squad adjacent character, and he's been really good about keeping these characters Suicide Squad adjacent. He has. I, I do agree with that, but I don't know. I don't like. I my knowledge of uh, Suicide Squad is more limited than some other areas of, of DC. Right. So I can't speak too heavily on that. Yeah. You know, I'm looking up Insect Queen here and the the latest version of her in New Earth. Um, yeah. That feels pretty reasonable. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I agree. I think it's great. I think the only thing I did not like, I, I think the three episodes flew by. I think they're, they're so well-paced. And that's very impressive. And each one has an arc to it. Like it's not an episodic thing at all, but like there's a beginning, middle and end to each episode, which works very well. And then, 
except for the Berenstain Bears, Berenstain Bears thing, which I just think is a bit of a tired gag at this point. I, it's I think funny. It's really tired, but also um, Economist wears a three moon wolf shirt. Yeah. And that it all, these all feel like they're elements that are like pointing out like what a, what a lame ass economist is. But, but <laughs> like, unfortunately, you Leona's involved. That, right? That's the thing is he doesn't know about it. That's actually a good point. Yeah, you're yeah, right. He's more like, uh, like, I if felt he was really brought it up. I'd be like, yeah, okay. I felt it was a huge burn to the internet to put him in a three wolf moon shirt. Maybe. Yeah. We're just goofing on that stuff. I don't know. No, I'm saying that's a burn. Much, like, it's a, well, it's a burn. Like, I don't know how much James Gunn burns things. I think he lovingly goofs. Yeah, you're right. You know, I think that's what he does. That's my theory. We didn't discuss, well, we discussed a little bit ahead of time, but we didn't discuss uh, Mern, the Mern economy scene where he discusses never sharing feelings. So good. Which, I, I, you know, this, that's the kind of thing that I think Gunn excels at is every one of these characters is a fully fleshed character, fleshed out character. And he knows what they are. The actors know what they are. And while we may not have all the pieces, we can see the pieces in motion. You know, we know that there's more going on with Harcourt than, than we're aware of, aware of at this point. You know, Leota is going to have a lot more going on. You know, and I'm very excited to see that stuff. Economos, I think he's going to be more of a joke character, but. No, I think sure James Gunn more... is going gonna, gonna to have like a really emotional storyline in the end. It's going to be surprisingly emotional. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like it's going to be a thing at the end where Peacemaker is going to have to save him or he saves Peacemaker or whatever. And it's going to feel very emotional in the moment, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, Gunn has talked about how the, the eighth episode is uh, a cry episode, I think is how we put it. That like it's going to it's going to break hearts. So I don't oh, know what's going to happen. Oh no! I hope they don't kill Adrian. Yeah, that's, that's my his. first thought. Is like, oh, Vigilante's gonna die. Yeah, it's like, it's like crazy how much I really love that take on the character, and how much I love Freddie Stroma in that role. He's so fucking good. Yeah, like he would not. Uh, critics did not get the final episode. James Gunn asked HBO not to send it out in advance. So, like, critics that have seen one through seven, but they have not seen the final episode. Interesting. So, yeah, he's, he's hiding something. What could it be? Nobody we gotta knows. get these. We gotta get these screeners so we can record this fucking shit weeks in advance. Yeah, gun hook us up. Just, just, just drop a hit. Gun, gun. You gotta remember me. I was at the Slither premiere party. Like, come on. <laughs> Michael Rooker gave me a little punch in the shoulder on online for a beer. Surely you remember. I helped. I helped Nathan Fillion steal a poster from there. <laughs> uh, all right that's gonna be this week's episode i think huh yeah it's weird because we are i think fully in agreement yeah i mean it's just a really good show and so, it makes sense. He's, just so goddamn good. he's really excellent when he really has got the space to do it he can really knock it out the park he's been like real super classy with people attacking him online all weekend yeah i saw all that stuff there was a whole thing where he uh, accidentally liked a tweet that said bad things about the first Suicide Squad, and then they yeah. tried to turn that into like a whole fucking saga. And he, he was just like, "No." He did that, and then there was a thing where he liked a, an Alan Tudyk tweet where Alan Tudyk said that he, as he'd known Joss Whedon for seventeen years and never saw Joss Whedon be rude or abusive towards anyone, and then people were putting that in his face. He's like, "He's like, yeah," and you know, both Tudyk and I both admitted we were talking about our, a friend of ours, but. We had no right to discuss it. We had no right to say anything about it at the time. And they're like, oh, okay. But he knows how to handle that stuff. <laughs> He's gotten good at it. Yeah. He's gotten real good at it. Yeah. All right. That's this week's episode. 
Uh, we'll be back again next week with more Peacemaker. Um, I guess this week we're going to have to do Dick Tracy, huh? Yeah, we're going to have to do that this weekend. Oh, boy. We're going to be doing Dick Tracy for Watchmen, our monthly superhero deep dive podcast. Uh, with This month, the uh, listeners had the chance to vote on which movie we were doing, and they chose from a crowded field that included Flash Gordon and Popeye. They chose Warren Beatty's Dick Tracy, which we'll be watching and talking about in some detail. Um, and then also this week, we're going to have a new episode of The Book of Boba Fett. I mean, it's on The Bad Batch. We're recovering The Book of Boba Fett. Sorry. A lot of fucking podcasts. Yeah, we're all over the place. And we've got we got more if people hit certain numbers because I've made promises to people. Yeah, I, I don't know that you have the ability to make those promises, but we'll I, see what happens. I, I think if we're getting if if the Patreon is making ten grand a month, we can do uh you know two more podcasts. I think it's that okay. really does feel like it's a t- <laughs> quit quit the day job level, huh? Yeah. Yeah. At that point it's like, all right, okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> also I wanna oh, I gotta find it real quick. Hold on. I should have had this set up, but I didn't. Although I should probably do this on Bad Batch, but I'll do it here too. We're going to do it on Bad Batch. Don't do it here. Okay. Do it on Bad Batch. I'm going to, I want to include the image in uh, okay. the show notes. It's a, such a great drawing. I love it so yeah, much. Yeah, we had our first fan art from the book of, from the Bad Batch, and it's really terrific, and it was very delightful. And I'm excited to share it with you guys on that episode of the Bad Batch. If you don't subscribe at the Patreon, www.patreon.com slash cinemasanga, S-A-N-G-H-A, you won't be able to see this incredible picture that one of our fans drew. So uh, that's a good reason to subscribe. For just $1 a month, you get the Bad Batch. For $5 a month, you get the Bad Batch and also Watchmen. Uh, So definitely consider doing that. Derek, where can they find you on the internet? Did I lose you? Good timing, because it's right here at the very end of the episode. Uh, Derek has just, where did you go? I, I was here. You were muted. I could see that you were muted on the thing. Was I? Yeah. You muted yourself. I didn't think I did. You Cause I didn't unmute myself. I don't know what happened. Uh, Derek, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at WH underscore Woolhead. You can find me on Twitter at Devin CF. We'll see you again next week, but until next week, may you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you be well, but most of all, may you remain a true believer.